Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Old.com global stakes for the Brexit vote. The in out European Union referendum will finally take place in Great Britain on June 23rd. Not so long from now, a couple more months, the outcome of the long-promised vote could have a tremendous impact, not merely on the future of British uh, Prime Minister Cameron and his coalition, but on the economic future of Great Britain and much of the world. What do you think about the Brexit vote? Is England going in or out? And uh, if, they, if they leave the European you know, area, European Union area, whatever the proper term is, uh, Will we really see something dramatic, or will it be fairly minor? Oh, I have no doubt that it, that would be a dramatic move, and it would definitely affect the European Union as a whole. And I, I would love to believe that there is the real opportunity for Britain to actually exit the EU, and I would certainly encourage people who are so inclined in Britain to get involved in that campaign. But let's keep in mind the European Union does not play fair. Um, people might remember back when the original idea for the European Union Constitution was being floated, and uh, it, it got voted down, I think, in France and, uh, and the Netherlands before they, they abandoned that. And so then they came back with the Lisbon Treaty, which was the EU Constitution in all but name, and, uh, and they, they tried passing that around, but Ireland voted it down. So they made Ireland vote again. <laughs> they didn't like that we'll vote, show they you. made them vote again. Yeah. Exactly. So do it and, and then you do it right. Get up there and vote on the blackboard. And 50 times, I will vote for the European Union. And it worked the second time around. So, uh, again, I'm, you know, I don't hold out hope because they're not playing fair. And one would expect they wouldn't let Britain go easily. And uh, the most interesting story I've seen come out so far is that Obama came out trying to lecture Britain. You you guys should stay in Europe. And there was a lot of uh, commentary from uh, from England. Do as I say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People saying, well, what hypocrisy coming from the U.S., which would never be involved in an organization like this. Hi, James. Thank you for for joining us on the program. Always appreciate your comments and insights. And uh, I keep looking for a question that you won't be able to answer, but I haven't found it yet. We're out of time, folks. want to thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and James Corbett. Bye-bye.
Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
sling a little mud in my four-wheel drive. Trick it on into town. Shoot a little eight ball down at the pool hall. Drink a beer with Drink my beer. friend. Now don't judge me and I won't judge you. Cause we all get judged in the end. Some people care about what other people think. Worry about what they say. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, March 18th, 2016, and it is about seven minutes afternoon Pacific time. If that's all true where you're at, we're live, and that means you can call in 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. You can also go to our website theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and uh, join in the chat room by clicking on the chat link over on the left-hand side and you're in there. It's that easy. You can also contact me directly by going to Yahoo Instant Messenger and my screen name is um, AVRN Talk. All right. So that's all the ways right there, and uh, <laughs> Friday, March 18th. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get to some uh, news and stuff, huh? How about this? Here's something that people really ought to start thinking about. Twelve frugal lessons, okay, to learn from the Great Depression. All right, let's see. Number one, if you already have it, use it. Think about it. Over the years, you have accumulated lots of stuff. Some of it may be a bit shop-worn and out of style, but the stuff is still serviceable. If it still works, use it. 
You may even begin to think of your oldies but goodies as trusty friends. Don't give it to the give in to the bombardment of ads encouraging you to go out and purchase the latest model or the next best thing. If money is burning a hole in your pocket, use it for something you truly need, not something you merely want. Shop for a bargain and get it cheaper. Research all your major purchases and some of the minor ones, too. I mean, check out all of them. Uh, Check out the online reviews and also the recommendations of friends so that you can be informed. Ask the clerks at the store when the item of interest will go on sale. Well, you know what? I've tried that. Most of the clerks at most of the stores have no clue. And when you finally get to the manager, he has no clue either. No, really. Two different stores. Manager has no idea when the next sale is or what the next sale is going to be or anything like that. So you might want to skip asking clerks much of anything because they don't know much of anything. Believe it or not, you will sometimes be offered a discount on the spot. Yeah, it happens. Sure it does. Not very often. But, hey, you got nothing better to do and you're lonely to talk to somebody, go ahead and talk to the clerks at the store. But, you know, don't be disappointed when you don't get much uh, information in return, folks, because, I don't know, maybe where you live it's better. But where I live, you know, all the clerks can do basically is take your money. Of course, don't try to give them correct change because that just confuses them. Here's a related hint. Watch for price protection and price matching. Did you know that if you purchase something on, say, like Amazon.com and the price is reduced within a seven-day period, they will give you a refund? You do need to ask, but doing a spot check may well be worth your time, especially on large purchases. Used can be just as good as new, and in a lot of cases, used is better than new. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the new things that are being made are crap, okay? Everything's plastic, including internal gears and such. And when you <laughs> when you build something with plastic gears on the inside, I don't care how nice it looks, how fancy anybody says it is, it's not going to last. Sorry, plastic gears just don't last. And that's the point. Okay, that's the goal. That's what they're shooting for. All right? So you get something used, it may have metal gears. That will last, well, you keep it uh, maintained, it'll last a long, long time. Sometimes it makes good sense to buy used. Furniture can be purchased for a song on Craigslist or at garage sales, and heck, you can often get some pretty good good used stuff for free even. Another area where you can save really big bucks is on clothing. eBay is a gold mine for name brand clothing that is often new, even gowns, tuxedos, wedding wear. Yeah, (laughs) you all need a lot of that. And other dress-up items are especially cheap on eBay. On the other hand, be wary of used electronics since there is no substitute for hands-on testing prior to your purchase. Learn to cook. Uh, this This is this is really important, and uh, I just, you know, for many years, I just presumed everybody knew how to cook, you know, because I did, and, you know, I'm a guy, you know, and I never uh, put much effort into it, but I knew, I, I know how to cook. Uh, this is not the case. Everybody doesn't know how to cook. It's it, It's nearly confusing for me to watch somebody 
who they don't know how to cook. All they can do is open a box and throw it in some water. And then, you know, worry their little heads, uh, you know, about, oh, my gosh, I hope I'm doing it right. Yeah, honest. You see, what happens when there's no more boxes of food? You know, you know, ready-made, throw it in water, and there you go. What happens when that's gone? What are these people going to do? Learn to cook, folks. You know, it's not even hard. It's the, e- it's the easiest thing to do nowadays, more easy than it's ever been. You know, back in the day, generally, you just had to find somebody to, you know, help you show you. Now you can go to YouTube. You can watch a million different cooking videos there and learn how to cook. Restaurant meals can be a rat hole for cash. So is your local specialty coffee shop. That is not to say that you should avoid eating and drinking out completely, but make those occasions a special treat rather than something you do because you're too tired or too lazy to cook. Can't cook? Get yourself a basic cookbook. Call a friend over to help get you started. Once you start eating home-cooked food, you'll be hooked on how delicious those vegetables and salads taste. Yeah, this is true, folks. You, you start cooking at home, you start realizing Hey, you know, this stuff I'm getting out of these restaurants really isn't all that good. Become a fix-it guru. Before sending that broken appliance to the garage heap, oh, garbage heap, (laughs) or garage heap. A lot of folks do have a heap of garbage in their garage that they call their stuff, but really most of it's broken and they don't even know what's in there and they can't get to it if they tried to. I have these problems from time to time. Uh, try to fix it yourself. I mean, it's already broken. What are you going to do, break it more? If it doesn't work, it's already broken, you know, as much as it's going to be broken. So what are you going to do? You're going to screw it up even more? Probably not. Give it a shot. There's lots of websites, uh, fixya.com, instructables.com, and they offer a lot of uh, help on fixing things. Some of them are paid sites. Some of them aren't. Plus, if you can get a manual on on things, that really helps, too. Make it yourself. You don't need to be a Ph.D. in home economics or engineering and make your own cleaning supplies. Build your own compost bin or construct a set of bookshelves using inexpensive supplies and some basic tools. Move fashion to the bottom of the list. Choose function over fashion. This is difficult, I know, but think about the item you intend to purchase and how it's going to be used, a fancy kitchen Aid stand mixer may look great on your counter, gorgeous actually, but if you only cook the basics and you don't bake, a $15 hand mixer may be all that you need. And those hand mixers are probably one of the most handy kitchen tools, you know, that are electric or whatever, that I've ever had. Um, I mean, you can do a lot with those things. You can make mayonnaise with those things, okay? And anyway, do it yourself. Mow your own lawn. Clean your own house. Give yourself a manicure. Wash your own dog. Now, if you truly hate to do something, don't do it. If you can afford to hire it out. Or better yet, trade a chore you detest with a chore that someone else dislikes. You both get the job done without spending a dime. Take advantage of freebies. Use public beaches. Well, you know, I wouldn't go to the beach anymore, folks, because it's... uh. It's a nasty. It's turned into a nasty place. Okay, uh, but anyway, that's a different story. 
parks and trail systems for recreational activities. Use your public library. Go online, download, blah, blah, blah. You all know that. Get out of debt, yada, yada, yada. Uh, build an emergency cash fund. Okay, this is a good idea, folks. You know, I, I mean, yes, your cash is going to lose value sitting there. That's a fact. Inflation's just going to eat it up. But, hey, get it out of the bank. You know what? Putting it in the bank and thinking you have a cash fund, that's not a cash fund. Okay? It's not your cash fund anyway. It, it's the bank's cash fund. And they might just use it up and say, oh, did you want that? Sorry, we used it. And there ain't a thing you can do about it. Because, hey, the beloved Congress has made it a law that they can do that. Yay! So get your cash out of the bank, folks. I mean, I've, you know, this article doesn't go into this, but, I mean, I've, I've mentioned before that the most prudent thing to use a bank, and I'm not telling people to stop using their bank because I realize, you know, people need, well, at least for a, the tiniest bit of convenience in today's world, pretty much got to have a bank account. I mean, yeah, you could do everything cash, but it would be a lot more difficult and take a lot more time, and people might not have that time. But if you're going to have a bank account, only keep the money in the bank account that you need to pay all your stuff for the month. Keep the rest in cash. And yeah, if the whole system collapses, that cash may turn worthless. But that's a big if, all right? You are far more likely to have your car break down or to have something else happen that you need to get it fixed and you need cash now. All right? So keep cash on hand, folks. And if you start piling up so much cash that it's like starting to worry you, wow, I got all this cash. Gee, what do I do? Well, get some gold and silver. Now you're actually protecting that wealth. See, keeping a pile of cash at home is not really protecting your wealth. It, it, it's making it so you have readily available cash on hand regardless of what happens. Let's say the power goes out. Let's say there's a hurricane. Let's say there's anything. And the banks go, hey, sorry, we're closed. For whatever reason, you can't get your money. It could happen. It happens It happens all over the place. And when it does happen, folks, you might think, well, hey, I'm smarter than that. I'll just go down to the ATM and I'll get out all my money. Yeah, good luck when the uh, banks say, oh, you know what? There's an emergency. There's a hurricane coming, and you can only get $50 out of your account. Hmm. Have cash on hand, folks. And here's something else. Instead of, you know, going, boy, I really want that thing. I'm going to whip out my credit card, get in debt, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it now. Instead of doing that, save the money up. Say, I want that thing. It costs this much. And uh, let's see, I'll put away this much every week or every month, and then I'll have the money in this long. And then I'll go get it. It'll be mine. I won't have any interest payments, and I won't have, it'll just be done. It's not any different, really, because, I mean, other than you get it now. Unless there's some emergency thing that you've just got to have, I mean, then fine. But people, 
I don't view a big screen TV as something I, oh boy, I got to have it and I got to have it right now. I don't care. I'll pay 28% interest. I got to have that. I don't think so, really. I think you could probably put away the money and then when you got it, go down and buy the big screen TV and take it home and not have to pay any interest. Hey, it saves you money, folks. You pay for that convenience and you pay good money for that. I mean, hey, credit cards are charging big interest rates, even though, you know, what they pay for interest is what, sub, <laughs> what, negative now? It's negative interest rates. They don't pay anything. Right? Well, didn't change anything for you. You're still paying, what, 18% or something? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get on to something else. It's just something from, uh, you know, along the survival lines that, hey, just, you know, it's not rocket science, and most of you have probably thought about it. It's just a little reminder to continue to think, you know. Continue to think about things like this. How do I save money? How do I become more efficient? How do I become more self-reliant? What can I do? Oh, what happens if the lights go out? Let me look around. What what things could I be using, and what things are going to be totally useless to me when the power goes out? See? Anyway, it, it you know it's not it, it's not any harder. It's not any. It's just different. Okay, it's just different. And you know, people include me. I mean, I have a way of doing things that I do, and that's how I like to do things. And I don't like change, and nobody really does. So you know, doing something different is is hard to change, but it's not really difficult to do. All right, I mean, it's not any. It's really not that much different between uh, you know saving up something. Yeah, the only thing is you don't get it right this second. All right. Did you know? I, I didn't know this. I was kind of, I, I mean, not really surprised. I mean, okay, what what surprises you anymore about the government, folks? <laughs> I mean, really, does anything really surprise you coming out of Washington, D.C., or can you go, oh, my gosh, idiots? Yeah, again, here they are again. Yeah, well, here's another one. The government actually has a zombie apocalypse plan. Oh, yeah. And, hey, guess what? It's just been declassified. Yeah, it was classified. Yeah, zombie apocalypse plan. Oh, boy. A few years ago, the Center for Disease Control launched a zombie preparedness initiative that drew significant attention. The Department of Defense followed suit and developed an entire training course intended for the Joint Operational Planning and Execution System. The complete response plan called ConPlan 888 was recently declassified, and it's just as weird and creepy as you might imagine. The Black Vault posted two documents retrieved from the NSA using the Freedom of Information Act. The purpose of the plan, according to the United States Strategic Command, was to use a fictitious scenario to prepare for real-world emergencies. Quote, the training focused on how to undertake military operations to preserve non-zombie humans from the threats posed by a zombie horde. Because zombies pose a threat to all non-zombie human life, 
hereafter referred to as humans, USSTRATCOM will be prepared to preserve the sanctity of human life and conduct operations in support of any human population, including traditional adversaries. Okay, meaning, okay, when the zombies show up, we're going to stop, you know, fight. We're not going to stop, you know, preparing that fight with the Russians, and uh, we're going to get with the Russians, and we'll all fight the zombies together. Uh, That sounds swell, huh? The objective of the threefold plan includes the neutralization of zombies through denial, deception, disruption, degradation, or destruction. Though with the exception of destruction, it is unclear what is meant by those terms with regard to fighting zombies. Reading at times like the treatment to a campy science fiction script, Conplan 888 categorizes eight classes of zombies. You know, who's writing this crap, folks? And, and, And what are they getting paid to write crap like this? Really? Pathogenic zombies. Zombie life forms created after infection by a viral or bacterial contagion. When has that ever happened? I mean, in real life. Radiation zombies. Zombie life forms created after infection from electromagnetic or particle radiation. Evil magic zombies. Zombie life forms created by occult experimentation or evil magic. Folks, all all magic is evil, all right? Space zombies. Zombies that come from space or are created by extraterrestrial toxins. This also includes zombie satellites that could pose a threat to SATCOM service like DirecTV. Weaponized zombies. Zombie life forms engineered through biomechanical technology for the purpose of attacking another nation. Symbian-induced zombies. Zombie life forms created after the introduction of a symbiont life form into an otherwise healthy host. Vegetarian zombies. Zombie life forms that cause no threat to humans because they only eat plant life. But, you know, these vegetarian zombies, they're dangerous because they could cause massive deforestation or elimination of basic food crops, essentially humans. Chicken zombies. I'm not making this up, folks. Zombies that are essentially old hens that can no longer lay eggs. Farmers euthanize them with carbon monoxide and stack them in piles. However, some of the hens are still alive and crawl out. Though they ultimately die of organ failure, chicken zombies are simply terrifying to behold and are likely only to make people become vegetarians in protest of animal cruelty. They... And this goes on and on. And really? Really? They're spending money on this? Wow. I mean, really, where on the list, folks, is of all the things you worry about, you know, from day to day, you know, like, gee, is there going to be a terrorist attack? Golly, are the cops going to pull me over and shoot me dead? Uh, Gee, you know, am I going to go broke? Gosh, am I going to be able to pay my bills? You know, all the things that you worry about, where on the list exactly is the zombie apocalypse? Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, when we come back from the break, 
we'll do this. Uh, I'll tell you about this article here about DARPA. Yeah, DARPA and their self-guided bullets that turn around in midair and follow their target. Wow, that sounds like fun, huh? We'll be back in a bit. their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right. We're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Friday, March 18, 2016, and it is 1237 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. That's true where you're at. You can call in because we are live. 800-932-1980 is the call in. You can also participate in the show by going to the chat room or not participate in the show. You can just chat with the other folks in there. It's located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, and uh, you'll see the chat link over on the left-hand side. Click it. Go on in there. It's real easy. And uh, Yahoo Instant Messenger, you can contact me directly. My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right, there we have that. All right, DARPA, DARPA, DARPA. Yep, they. this is... This is like real, this is, this is like sci-fi sort of stuff, okay? You may have seen the movie Wanted. Sure, the movie was almost unrecognizable from the Mark Miller comic book series. It was very loosely based on, but that didn't stop anyone from pretending to be a bullet-curving badass supervillain with a heart sniper like Angelina Jolie after seeing it. Anyway, uh... The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is DARPA, has a new self-steering bullet, and it's about to change the pretend part into reality. As part of its Extreme Accuracy Task Ordinance Program, DARPA has been developing a 50 caliber ammunition that can maneuver in flight. To be clear, it can change direction after being fired from a weapon. Uh, from what I understand of this, because this isn't new, it's probably just new that it actually, you know, is working now. It it operates on the same theory as, like, the smart bombs, okay? You know, a, a regular bomb, you drop it out of an airplane, you're flying along, you have a sight, you know, well, we're flying at this speed, at this height, and, uh... You know, you arrange your sight to when it, the crosshairs are on your target, you push the button, and out, out the bottom falls all these bombs, and they just fall where they fall. Well, smart bombs are basically on their way to a painted target, and they see this infrared. And what happens is the fins on the back of a bomb that usually just keep it, you know, falling true and down, you know, straight without, you know, getting off course. These on the smart bombs actually move and change its course to hit, you know, that way you're kind of running bombs like missiles, like cruise missiles. Now, cruise missiles are powered and they, you know, they hit their target pretty much the same way, except they're powered. These, you still drop them out of an airplane, but you can guide them. And this bullet is kind of the same thing. You know, you shoot it out there, it's moving along at high velocity, and then you can change its direction by, you know, directing it. Anyway, a post on DARPA's website describes Exacto's specially designed bullet as using a real-time optical guidance system that tracks and directs the bullets right into their targets. This guiding system is what ensures the high accuracy rate of snipers regardless of external factors that could affect the trajectory of the bullet, such as weather or target movement. Oh, isn't that nice? 
So they're using 50 caliber rifles for sniper rifles, which, by the way, folks, is uh, has a range outside the Secret Service protection area for the president. Did you know that? You would know that if you'd listen to Bo Greitz's show because he's gone through it several times. Yeah, the Secret Service, when the president's around, they, you know, they've got a radius that they basically secure, and a 50 caliber's range is outside that radius. So if somebody decides to shoot the president with a 50 caliber machine gun, uh, or, you know, it doesn't have to be machine gun, semi-automatic, I guess, generally is what they are, or bolt action, but... The thing is, uh, you're going to succeed because there's nothing they can do about it. Anyway, here's something that some of you might be interested in, at least the people that use Fedbook. Uh, Lawsuit accuses Fedbook of secretly mining users' health data to use in targeted advertising. Health data? Fedbook spied on users that relied, relayed private health information on the websites of major cancer institutes and harvested the data to generate advertising profits. Lead plaintiff Wilson Smith sued Fedbook, the American Cancer Society, the American Society of Oncology, and five other cancer institutes in federal court on Wednesday. Websites for the medical institutes feature a secret Fedbook code that commandeers users' web browsers and sends private information to the social media giant, Smith claims in his 92-page complaint. The lawsuit is without merit. We will defend ourselves vigorously, Fedbook says. Smith says Fedbook uses the private health data it obtains to create marketing policies for each user and then targets them with tailored advertisements based on their private information. A person's health condition is the second most valuable piece of personal data sought after on the web behind login credentials and passwords, according to a 2015 study on web privacy and security cited in the complaint. The social media giant earned nearly 11 $0.5 billion in advertising revenue in 2014, according to the suit. When Smith searched for information on lung cancer at the American Cancer Society's website, cancer.org, the information he sought, links he clicked, were sent to Fedbook without his knowledge or consent. The lawsuit cites a chart Fedbook uses to sell advertising services, which places more than 225 million users in 154 separate medical categories for direct marketing purposes. Fedbook's application for advertisers touts its ability to target users based on information Fedbook has collected about them relating to health care. Fedbook's medical categories list identities users associated with a wide range of medical conditions, including diabetes, pregnancy, addiction, hepatitis, yada, 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 everything, folks. So, hey, if you're on Fedbook, guess what? Your medical information isn't your own. All right, what else? Oh, here's a little thing about... Uh, you know, remember Obama when he was running for president, okay? And, you know, it, it 
it'd be interesting to make a list of all the promises he made and how many he's actually kept. But uh, one of the most obvious ones that he didn't keep was saying that, oh, we're going to be the most transparent administration ever. Because that dirty, rotten Bush boy, he was just so secret. We're going to be so much better. We're going to be the best in transparency. Well, huh, that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, it, it didn't happen. Everybody knows it didn't happen. But here's a headline. U.S. government sets record for failures to find files when asked. Yep, the Obama administration set a record for the number of times its federal employees told disappointed citizens, journalists, and others that despite searching, they couldn't find a single page requested under the Freedom of Information Act, according to a new Associated Press analysis of government data. When they say that, they're lying, folks. Okay, they're just lying. They've got the records. They can access the records. They just don't want to give them to you. So they just say, meh. Nothing responsive to your request. In more than one in six cases, or 129,825 times, government searchers said they came up empty-handed last year. Such cases contributed to an alarming measurement. People asked for records under the law, received censored files, or nothing, in 77% of requests. Also a, a record. In the first full year after President Barack Obama's election, that figure was only 65%. Most transparent? Not hardly. White House spokesman Josh Ernest said Friday he was not familiar with the figures showing how routinely the government said it can't find any records, although the Justice Department also highlighted them in its own performance report. A, the White House is unaware of any of this. Ernest said federal employees work diligently on such requests. They're such hard workers. Maybe that's why they get paid twice as much as everybody else. Hmm? And renewed his earlier complaint that the U.S. records law has never applied to Congress since it was signed into law 50 years ago by President Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat. Congress writes the rules, and they write themselves out of being accountable. Oh, wah, 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 wah. Congress doesn't have to do it, so neither do we. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you do. Congress needs to start putting some penalties, punishments. Okay, yeah, you know what? You've got this long to, to answer a FOIA. And if you don't, uh, somebody's going to jail. Okay? How about that? I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, you don't want to do it? Okay, fine. You know, pack up your bags because you're going to prison. That's fine. I think that'd be better. Anyway, uh, the new data request uh, represents the final figures on the subject that will be released during Obama's presidency. Obama has said his administration is the most transparent ever. <laughs> yeah, the FBI couldn't find any records in 39% of the cases. Nothing. Well, we just don't have anything. That's 5,168 times. We got nothing. Sorry. The Environmental Protection Agency Regional Office that oversees New York and New Jersey couldn't find anything 58% of the time. U.S. Customs and Border Protection couldn't find anything in 34% of the cases. 
it's incredibly unfortunate when someone waits months or perhaps years to get a response to their request only to be told the agency can't find anything said Adam Marshall, an attorney with the Washington-based Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. And they only do that because they're lying, okay? They can find it. Now, it's impossible to know whether more requests last year involved non-existent files or whether federal workers were searching less than diligently before giving up to consider a case closed. Uh, I would go with that one. I would go with they don't look at all and they just say, okay, you know what? I've got 10 record requests. Uh, let's see, five of them. I'm just going to say we can't find anything, and then we'll do the other ones. The administration said it completed a record of 769,903 requests, a 19% increase over the previous year, despite hiring only 283 new full-time workers on the issue, or about 7%. So let's see. There's 19% more work, and they hired only 7% more people. Uh, gee, I wonder why requests are being said we can't find anything. You think maybe because people have these huge piles of paper on their desk, and they've got so much time to clear it, and, hey, I just don't have time to look this stuff up, so I'm just going to lie and say we couldn't find anything. We couldn't find anything because I didn't look. It seems like they're doing the minimal amount of work they need to do, said Jason Leopold, uh, an investigative reporter at Vice News and a leading expert on the records laws, I just don't believe them. I really question the integrity of their search. Good for him. That's exactly what it's about. Question the integrity of every and every and every government agency, no matter whether it's federal, state, local, city, whatever, man. Always question their integrity. Of course, you're going to end up like, you know, a record search uh, with the government, uh, and you won't find any because there isn't any integrity, all right? So you're going to be disappointed when you go looking for integrity in any government agencies because there ain't any. Sorry, nothing responsive to your request. So on Drudge here, they say that, you know, ISIS jihadi behind Paris attacks is captured alive. Of course they did. <laughs> Do you really believe this? I mean, really? Oh, oh, really? ISIS jihadi? Really? Wow. I wonder if he's going to be able to tell us where, well, who exactly was paying you? Was it the CIA, really? Now, here's something. I don't know. Maybe this this might not be a bad idea. Uh, any of you ever been to things called automats? Well, they were kind of a cool thing. And uh, I, I used to go in New York. And it was kind of a cool thing for me as a kid back in, you know, the 70s. Because it was, like, really modern. The automat is basically just walls of little, whether they're refrigerated or heated or just, you know, just openings. They're little doors with food in there. And you never see anybody. You just walk by and you just grab what you want, put it on your tray, and go to the, uh, you know, go to the cash register and pay for it all. And what you did was, you see, you had to put coins in the door. You know, you want a piece of pie behind that door? Well, you got to put in your coins. And uh, 
you know, back then you could put in coins. Now you'd have to bring a wheelbarrow, you know, of coins just to get a piece of pie. But, I mean, now I'm sure they take bills. That's how it was. So this um, fast food CEO from Carl's Jr., so this is what Carl's Jr.'s idea is. Uh, he claims that he wants to create a fully automated restaurant. We could have a restaurant that's focused on all natural products and is much like an itza, where you order on a kiosk, you pay with a credit card or debit card, your order pops up, and you never see a person. Yeah, because who wants to see people, right? I mean, gosh. Puzder says the automated restaurant would be cheaper since he wouldn't have to worry about rising minimum wage. If you're making labor more expensive and automation less expensive, this ain't rocket science. And that's true, but wait a minute. It might be automated on my end, okay? Just like at the automat. Oh, yes, I just put the coins in a deal. I open it up. There's my food. I never have to see anybody except just because I don't see the people behind there putting the food back in the empty spots that I just took food out of. How are they going to do this all completely automated? You're telling me robots are going to cook the food? Robots are going to package the food? Is that it? They're always polite. They're always upsell. They never take a vacation. They never show up late. There's never a slip and fall or an age, sex, or race discrimination case, says Puzder. Puzder. P-U-Z-D-E-R, however you say that. Of swapping employees for machines. Millennials like not seeing people. Really? And I've actually seen young people waiting in line to use the kiosk where there's a person standing behind the counter waiting on nobody. Needless to say, many customers were less than pleased with the idea. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know, there's another article here that, uh, you know, he says millennials don't like to see people. Well, there was an article, I wonder if it's still here, that says millennials prefer the internet over sunlight. They'd rather go sit in front of their screen than go out in the sun. Uh, gee, that seems like a, a, a recipe for bad health, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, folks, you know, when you're 20, you can get away with, uh, you know, a lot of stuff with your body and not end up real sick. But when you get older, man... That stuff's all going to catch up with you. I, I'm, 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 I'm not encouraged by the idea of thinking of these millennials as 50-year-old people. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> all that sitting around and avoiding sunlight and people and all these other things so you can sit in front of your computer screen, uh going to catch up with them. And they're going to have a lot of health problems. What's that going to do to the economy? Really, with nobody working, with no skills, everybody needs health care. How is this going to work? Man, We this, if we just keep doing what we've been doing, and this is the whole point of, I think Americans realize this, and this is why they look at Trump and, yeah, he could be this, he could be that, he could do that, he could do this, he could be, it could be the end of the world, it, uh, on and on it goes. 
Okay? And it could be. Fine. But it's something different than what we're doing. And everybody realizes at some level that, look, we can't just keep doing what we're doing. This is a failed policy. Everything we do is a failed policy. Our economic policies are failed. Our monetary policies are failed. Our medical policies are failed. Our educational policies are failed. Our gun control policies are failed. Every policy these dimwits come up with is failed. 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 Everything. Our manufacturing, our foreign policy, our war-making, all failed. So, (laughs) people are starting to realize, uh, maybe we ought to do something different. Maybe it doesn't matter what it is as much as that we stop doing what we're doing. That's really the deal. And I think Americans are lacking. I mean, look, Bernie Sanders, really? Well, that's the Democratic version of, look, we got to do something different. We got, hey, just keep electing Clintons and Bushes. This is not a good plan. The Democrats realize that. Hillary Clinton hasn't done all that well against Bernie Sanders, who's nothing but a minor, minor candidate. Yet, he's winning states and he's taken her to the, uh, to the line on, on other states. The only reason she's so far ahead is because she's a criminal who manipulates the superdelegates on her side. That's why she can lose a whole state and still walk away with more delegates than Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders is not a good choice, but people are voting for him. Why? Because he's not Hillary Clinton. He's not the same thing we've been doing. She is. See, people on both sides are realizing, look, man, we got to do something different. Even if it's not necessarily good or what we want to do or the best pick, it's at least not what we've been doing. And I kind of get that. Anyway, what I also get is time's up. Day's over for me as far as uh, being radio host, so this show will be replayed tonight at 8 p.m. And as always, thanks for listening and stay tuned. we got financial survival coming up next, and then after that, a full day. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adams, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Friday, March 18th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Well, they tried to hit gold all day, but really didn't do too bad, down $4, 440 at 12.54. We did have a low of 12.46, popped back. 1254. Silver's down 13. It was over $16 for most of the day, but down 13 at 1587. Platinum was down 15 at 973. Palladium was down 3 at $593. The USDX today was trading a little bit stronger, 0.34 at 9511. Crude oil um, fell below the 40 level, 39.32, down 0.88. And the paper markets today, of course, the Dow had another strong day, up 117 points at 17,598. Recapturing the, the losses, only what, another 500 points until we get back up over 18,000. The NASDAQ up 20 at 47.95. As temporary as it might be, the S&P up 8 at 2,049. USDX, to, I'm sorry, the 10-year yield, 1.87. Well, that's interesting to see the 1.87 with the 10-year yield dropping 0 0.03 when you have such a strong day in, in, in the market. So that is kind of interesting. The euro down 0 0.40 at 113. Um Asian and European markets, uh, Japan was down 
the most uh, one and a quarter percent. The rest is pretty much uh, the rest were unchanged. Just a little changes to the up or to the downside. So nothing to write home about for the other countries. But I live at home. Why would I write to my home? Because that's where <sighs> I live. All right. What's next, Al? Um, I have. <laughs> oh, it's Friday. Before, what can I tell you about? Uh, you know? Before we go on, Rob West will be joining us about uh, 20 minutes after the first uh, uh, segment, after the commercial uh, break. Uh, we'll be uh, joined with uh, Rob West. And we always enjoy, we always enjoy having uh, Rob West on the program. <laughs> I still don't understand about writing home if I live at home. I mean, why not just save the stamp, Melody, you know? Hey, postage is going down two cents, so you can now afford it. With all the problems the Postal Service has, they're actually considering dropping the, the, the Postal Service, the, the stamps, two cents. So That's an American Melody, a government agency. Dropping a it's price. Reducing its prices. But they're already in debt by billions and billions of dollars. They can't well, pay. The, well, so, I'm the American way. Print more stamps. Sell them for nothing. You generate more business. It's a little bit of quantitative easing for the post office, Melody. It's worked so well for Japan and the United States and Europe. It's got to succeed for the post office, too. Well, no, what they will do is they'll lower the postage stamps, but then they'll increase their flat rate postage and their priority rate postage, and uh, they'll just gouge you there. Yeah, not necessarily. But they can actually say the prices are going down. Go figure. Got an article from Zero Hedge. The headline is Silver Soars Post-Fed as Gold Ratio Tumbles Most in Five Months. Two weeks ago, the gold-silver ratio reached extremely high levels. This isn't normal. In modern history, the gold, actually should be saying the silver-gold ratio, has only been as this high three other times, all periods of extreme turmoil. The 20, 2008 Great Recession, Gulf War, and World War II. Now, they have a graph here that you folks, of course, can't see, but the impressive point it is. It tracks the ratio of gold, the price of silver to the price of gold. All right, and it ranges from a low of about oh seventeen eighteen back in the uh, great back probably uh, mm, the date isn't clear, but say about nineteen eighteen nineteen twenty something like that uh, during the roaring twenties, right? The economy was seen to be strong, and under those circumstances, the silver-to-gold ratio was very low. Hmm? Um, but as we moved into World War II, by the time we got into, and it doesn't clearly say, but about 1945, the onset of World War II, mid-World War II, the ratio went extremely high, and it was up close to 100 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And then it fell back down. Uh, it continued to drop until about 1967, when once again it was down around uh, a 17, 18 ounces of silver to one ounce of gold. And then it started up again until the Gulf War went up over 100, went down uh, up to the Lehman era, 19, uh, what's, what's that translate into 2008? And 
fell again and then climbs back up. And the main point about this graph is that it is extremely volatile. All right. There are people who argue that the uh, price of gold has historically been in the neighborhood of 15 ounces of silver to the, the gold price ratio, excuse me, not the price of gold, but the silver gold ratio has been in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 to one, 15 ounces to 20 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And they argue that's a historical norm. And in fact, if this chart is accurate that I'm looking at, the real norm for the past 100 years has been in the neighborhood of 50. Right? But there is no point on this graph where the ratio is steady. This thing is going up and down and up and down and up and down. It is an extraordinarily ex ex volatile ratio between the price of silver and the price of gold. Um, Zero Hedge put this article together, and they say this suggests that something, this extraordinary high ratio currently, only seen ratio, the ratio has only been this high three other times in the last, uh, in the last century, last hundred years. World War II, Gulf War, and the 2008 economic collapse, the Great Recession. Um, they say this signals that something is seriously wrong. Good times never last forever, especially with government and central banks engineering artificial prosperity by going into debt and printing money. These tactics destroy a financial system, and the cracks are visibly expanding. The silver-gold ratio may even go higher in the event of major banking or financial crisis. We may see a touch 100 again, which it's done in the past. Uh, 82 is extremely high, but nevertheless, it's been up to 100 in the past, as recently as the Gulf War. So... <clears throat> Could go is the is the ratio going higher? And if it does, that means, relatively speaking, the value of silver will decrease relative to the price relative to the value of gold. If the ratio goes to 100 from 82 today to 100 some point in the future, that would be evidence that the price of gold is increasing more rapidly than the price of silver, or even that the price of silver is falling. All right. Is that going to happen, or are we going to see a reversion to something like a 50 average, 50, 55, somewhere in that neighborhood? Will we see that? We might. All right. But the reason I bring this to your attention is because I've watched over the past several years how people keep on pointing out that the gold-silver ratio, or the silver, I'm going to, in this particular graph, we'll refer to the silver gold ratio. How many ounces of silver it takes to buy one ounce of gold? They have projected that we will return to the to somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 ounces of gold, or excuse me, silver, relative to one ounce of gold, maybe 20. Or, and if we do, there's going to be an enormous profit to be made in silver, perhaps something like three, four hundred percent as compared to gold. All right. But this chart makes it abundantly clear that we only rarely get down into that 15 to 20 ounce silver to one ounce of gold ratio area. And when we do, it's only at the bottom of a spike and it quickly reverts. All right. And it quickly starts moving up. It goes down, it hits and it bounces back up. 
if insofar as the graph I'm looking at, again, provided by a zero hedge, assuming that graph is accurate, and I, I make that assumption, you can't invest in silver with the expectation that you are going to see silver, 15 ounces of silver purchasing one ounce of gold. If that happens, you're going to make a tremendous profit. But the probability of it happening is very small, 0.1 and 0.2, even if it does happen. It'll be a spike. It'll be like bouncing a rubber ball. Bang! It hits the bottom and bang! It bounces right back up again, and there's not that much money to be made. Now, I don't doubt that silver will turn out to be, over a period of several years, it's going to probably be a better investment than gold. That may happen, but it's only going to happen for a brief period of time. And if you want to invest in silver, I have some silver, I have some gold, I have some of both. Uh, I don't disparage either one. They're both good investments. But I have no doubt that gold is the better long-term investment than silver. And the reason for my, and some of the reasons from my perspective are, first off, that gold is a real monetary metal. It is, if we were to divide, you know, some metals are industrial, some metals are monetary, and some metals like gold are both monetary and industrial. If I had to guess, I'd say gold is 80, 90% monetary and 10% industrial. Silver, on the other hand, is probably about 60, 70% industrial and only 30% monetary. And if we're coming into an era of monetary crises, and that's what I think we're looking at with the possibility of fiat currencies collapsing. Under those circumstances, people will move to the most monetary metal, and that'll be gold. They'll go to silver, too, especially if we run out of gold and we just prices go up so high that nobody's selling gold and people start buying silver instead. We've seen some of that already. But just the same in the event of a monetary crisis, people should prefer gold to silver. And that means if you think there's a monetary crisis coming, you probably would be better off investing in gold than in silver. On the other hand, or we can also look at the industrial demand for gold. Given that, excuse me, silver. Given that silver is primarily an industrial metal, but only secondarily a monetary metal. <clears throat> if we are in a global recession and or global depression, the, mon the, the industrial demand for, for silver is going to be diminished. Huh? As long as we are in some sort of a global recession, perhaps a depression, as long as we're in there, the, the, the industrial demand for silver will not be that high. And we can assume that, therefore, silver, being primarily an industrial metal, is, will not see much of a price increase. It may fall along after gold, but it's going to be secondary. It's going to be the secondary bet, not the primary bet, if you want to invest in precious metals. Now, neither one of them is bad, but, you know, you got to recognize that for the moment, they are motivated, if we can judge by the silver to gold ratio of 82 to 1, which we've seen or exceeded only two or three times in the past 100 years. That, in, that, in, that signifies that we are in a period of great fear 
Now, whether the fear is justified or not remains to be seen, but there are two sources for that fear that I can see. One is fear of a monetary collapse, which favors gold, and two is fear of a uh, global depression and maybe even U.S. economic depression, which in theory again favors gold more than silver. When the demand, industrial demand falls, it'll favor, you know, silver won't do as well as gold. So, I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, right now, for the reasons I've tried to enumerate, gold strikes me as a much better investment than silver, and I don't expect that to change. I know that there's a potential for profit, but you've got to know what you're doing. With, with a, there's a greater potential for profit with silver than over the course of the next couple of years. I don't doubt that. But you'll have to know exactly what you're doing because silver is going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. You're going to have to buy at exactly the right time and sell at exactly the right time. And if you miss the boat by just a few months, a year at the most, your chances for profit may be wiped out. So does that make any sense to you? Do you agree, disagree? Uh... <laughs> well, I think boat. you did it. Boat. 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 Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, and that's disagree. really true, but I only have three minutes, so two. Um, I think the chart is interesting, um, but I think when you when there's comparisons drawn up on charts from a hundred years ago, the world is a different place. The monetary metals were different at that point in time. You didn't have the rig markets that we do in today's world, and, and so forth. So uh, it, it's a great comparison. It does show you that, uh, and the ratio sixteen to one to me, that's a his, his, historical number and uh i you have to ask yourself does that even apply in today's world and it's so bottom, not an but average. the bot but the bottom when you ask which is better as an investment gold and silver i'm asked that on a daily basis 10 to 20 times a day which is better and neither i don't believe one is better than the other i believe in the suitability of each person and the fundamentals of each product and you buy accordingly to your objective your ability to handle the volatility because you're right out silver you have a lot more volatility in silver when we have clients that uh you know are 100 percent in silver i have some that are 100 percent in gold i have some that are 50 50 my recommendation is 80 percent gold or my opinion is 80 percent gold and 20 percent silver um and it depends and and when silver's rising i Ask my clients, you know, can you handle silver going from, you know, 20 bucks to, to 50 bucks? And uh, uh, because I believe you buy the product also, that's the most expensive. You can still buy silver at 20 bucks. Um, but when gold goes to 2000 and 2500 it's a little more difficult. So get your expense. So there's a lot of things that I, that I use when I'm talking to as far as, whether they need to have gold and silver. And you're right, gold is the monetary metal. Uh, that is something that uh, I believe is going to be needed in what we face when we have our government and governments around the world that are, that are faced with the amount of debt that will be defaulted on. Uh, it will be all about gold. We just don't know how much. We don't know, you know how it will be used, but it will be all about gold. Uh, and what happens is when people buy silver, even those that have 100% of it, you know, sometimes it's okay to sell a portion of it if the prices are high enough, but you don't want to trade yourself. So there's a little bit more involved in that. And uh, There's uh, a lot more nerve to own 
silver it, than it does gold. It really is a nerve. Nervous no. investment. It's going no. up and down and up and down and up and down to me. It Go really is steady. It really isn't nerve because that's why we focus on the objectives of why people are looking to buy gold and silver. And we're not the kind of dealer, I'm not the kind of dealer that just sells something to sell something and I'll tell people anything just to sell it. That's why we ask, well, what do you, what's your objective? What are you investing? Uh, you know, is it suitable for you? Uh, maybe, you know, some clients uh, that don't have 100% silver is because silver is so hard to store. So there's a lot of things that come into play, and we're playing into break. Okay, we're going to stop for some commercials. When we return, Rob West will be joining us. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. count high, half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the Prostate Kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate gland. Call Apothecary Herbs for the Prostate Kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the Prostate Kit and empower yourself. Toll free, 866-229-3663 or international callers, 704-875-8010. That's toll free, 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
folks, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Programs with you at Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? Well, we do have, uh, let's go ahead and join uh, Rob West, Senior Financial Strategist for RME Advisors. He's here to join us this afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Afternoon, Melody. Hi, Al. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Rob? Um, uh, what is what is up in the markets or the politics or the geopolitics that you wanted to talk about today? Well, a lot of times we swung a lot more into doing financial education than I was before in money management and and, uh, and financial planning and all. And I was just telling Melody earlier that the uh, the things that are so obvious, a couple of things. People don't seem to have the interest. It's not available in regular media. But I thought it would be interesting to review some of the history of things um, and then focus on particularly a period between 2008 and 2016. And even if you're just a financial listener and somewhat of a novice, you can tell that things are just not right. And, uh, and I think some of it may be overshadowed a little bit uh, Thereby following the the Trump situation and uh, you know the, all the debates and things like that, but you know just <clears throat> everybody knows or we we would know as people being a little bit older that when you want to get ahead, you just spend less than what you make and uh, you, you know you create some reserve and mm. and you move forward and it's just not any more simple than that. But today. If you're following what's going on, I mean, we're now in negative interest rates. There's no incentive to even save money. Um, the FDIC, in, in one instance, uh, is, you know, is part of the financial picture that insures accounts up to a certain limit. And, uh, and their excess reserves, I understand, are being invested in these uh, TIPs, the Treasury uh interest-sensitive bonds, but it's at a negative rate. I mean, it, they don't have enough money to insure the deposits that they say they insure anyway, and now they're investing any excess reserves at a negative interest rate. And when I first heard about the negative interest rate some time ago, it was other countries that were suggesting these things, but it just has a massive impact. And I still think people don't realize how, I mean, 2008, we had one foot on the banana peel and one foot in the grave, and now we've got both feet on a banana peel here. And you know, one thing that it crosses my mind about this, which I don't think is true, but I'll get you, but I'd like to get your opinion on it anyway. <clears throat> Do you think there's any chance that they're trying to install negative interest rates in order to push deposits out of the banks, not just to make people spend them, but to diminish the FDIC's liability. There's no money in the bank. The FDIC's got plenty of insurance. There's a lot of money in the bank. They don't have enough. Now, I think this is an unlikely possibility, but it still crosses my mind. And I'm curious if you think it's completely, you know, just not just too fantastic to be true, or uh, is there's a chance well, maybe that this makes little sense? First of all, the the banking and financial policy makers, um, 
I don't know. I wish they could go to school and take a test to see if they really know what they're doing because I think for other personal gains, very risky policy has been made with all the central bankers. And the last stick they had was to work with the interest rates. And they knew if they would continue to push money supply up, you know, how inflationary that could be. And I think primarily the zero interest rates and negative interest rates is um, a matter more of they have nothing else, you know, they have nothing else they can do. You know, in 2008, the, the interest rates were over 4%, maybe 4.5, 4.6. And um, we only had a, a $9 trillion deficit. And, well, in the last eight years, we've managed to go to negative interest rates. And you know, we have a $19 trillion deficit. And just that alone it should scare people enough to say, well, I better look into more of this because things are just not right. And the, the statistics are there, and even if you don't know what they mean, you can compare. We had so much debt, now we got more, you know, almost twice that. Um, there's a, there was a huge bubble in the subprime lending market in 2008 that started to break loose, you know, $1.3 trillion. And now we find that they're going back to the same old ways, not only in our our country with the housing lending, um, and particularly here in Colorado, it's just been, and I can't believe the construction that's going on, that uh, somebody's funding it, and but we're even lending money Are we money talking to about commercial construction in Colorado, or, or uh, homes, or what, both? Both, yeah. I was at a meeting yesterday up in the tech center, and there's some huge uh, office space being built up there. And uh, and out where I'm at, and the whole suburban sprawl is housing out project after housing project. And I just I live quite a ways out, and I enjoy the travel in, but I enjoy it less now because I a lot more traffic, and I got more houses to look at, and and they're building the McMansions out here again. See, and you know so I, I think- heard that. I heard that too, Rob. Someone was telling me, or I was reading an article where, you know, the housing, I mean, we've never had, it's been a long time since we had affordable housing, but they're building bigger and bigger homes again. It's not the, you know, $170,000, $200,000 homes that they're building. People, uh, one of my clients, they were looking to, to move closer to their son, and they've been looking for a long time. She says all the homes that they're building are, are four, five, six dollars $600,000. So you're yeah. right. They're building these big McMansions again. And, you know, and frankly, I have seen probably more people over in a, around the 50 and over range in age group are the ones that's doing this. And they don't need, you know, a 10,000 square foot house. I mean, <laughs> really. but it's just we got so caught up in this momentum uh, and the obvious figures now are twice as bad as they were in 2008 when they came apart. And back then, they still had interest rates to spur the economy with, but they don't have that anymore. And when I was talking to Melody, if you remember Melody, the other week or so back, I, we were talking about the, the government's IRA for you, the MIRA. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this is something that it, it's simple to understand, but it's not that easy to really get your your arms around is that um, because there's only so much money available or should be available in the economy, um, and Bob Chapman talked a lot about they're coming after your retirement money. Well, that's what this Myra is. And if the Myra is going to be anything like the FDIC investment, they're going to put your money in a negative interest rate bond. And then who's backing up the bond? You know, I mean, it's just a disaster for retirement. And I think people really need to pay attention to you and Melody, Al, to get the eyes wide open. And it's just absurd to think that anything different is going to come out of the future when right now it's at least twice as bad as it was when it went bad eight years ago. I mean, so that's the problem. Even if you can't precisely identify what is, what, what's the big danger we face? Is it financial? Is it because the markets are going to trap are going to collapse into a depression? Is it because the dollar is going to disappear? What are we facing? We don't know precisely. We don't know when the stuff is going to hit the fan, but you look at it and it's like watching the snow piling up on an avalanche. We've all seen that metaphor a bunch of times. It just keeps on piling up and piling up and pretty soon you don't need to be an expert before you realize, you know, that's going to break loose one of these days. And when it does, you better not be downstream because it's going to be a terrible situation. Mm Mm-hmm. I was talking with Melody earlier, and she brought up something fairly interesting. We just watch the news, and every show has some, something about, you know, the, particularly the Republican nomination and, and how much momentum Trump has. Yeah. And everybody that has, a, you know, the Ben Franklin clothes, here's the positives and the negatives, and, and you write them all down. You see which one you like the best on, to make a choice. Well, I think that so many more people are coming to voice their opinion and even to come out and vote where they didn't in the past, and they're going towards Trump because he makes sense that affects everybody, and everybody knows he's good in business. And if you compare these statistics that we can talk about, the other guys running the running the White House and the Congress are not good at business. It's just so obvious. Melody, what was that you were you were mentioning earlier today about, okay, so if Trump gets in, it could accelerate some things to make it too impossible for him to put together a good business plan uh, to make it work. Wasn't that what you were saying? Well, pretty much. I said what, what they I, – I, I'm trying to figure out, what, you know, the elite, how they're reacting to Trump. You would think that they would, you know, if they, they have the power that they have, they're doing every, it's like everything that they do is it's just making it more of a shoe in that Trump will be elected. So what would they do once he becomes president? If they really don't want Trump in there, what I think they could do is maybe let the economy drop short, shortly after the election where he would be so tied up dealing with that. He wouldn't be able to do much more. And uh, uh, because if, if, if he is such a threat to them, you have to keep thinking that even if he gets elected, they're going to continue to make his his uh, time in the White House difficult. Yeah. So. Well, they're going to make his time in the White House difficult if they can. But did any of you see the interview of 
Republican National Committee man Curly Hogland that was on CNBC Wednesday of this week. I believe it was Wednesday this week. And Mr. Hogland, he admitted on the air that the Republican rules are such that the Republican primary uh, election rules are such that the Republican Party need not accept the votes of the voters in the Republican primary. (laughs) Now, this is explosive. This is a political monster that he's unleashed. The following day, uh, Washington Times printed an article that said top Republicans are trying to scrap the whole 1,500-page rule book for dealing with primaries in order to make it more open to the American people. All right? They want to trash the following day. The reason why is what they're telling us here is that the Republican Party, they don't have to pay any attention to the voters. The Republican, and more, what he is saying by implication is that the Republican Party, whatever that is, does not include the people who vote in the primary elections. It is a group of people, and I've been told back in the 1990s, someone told me this, and it's stuck in my mind. Here it is 25 years later, and I still remember it. <clears throat> it told me that the Republican Party consisted only of those people who had run for public office under the Republican banner and had been elected and were still in office. That is the Republican Party, according to this source that I remember again 25 years ago. I don't know that the statement was true then. I don't know that it's true now. But this guy, who is a member of the Republican National Committee, he said, look, the Republican Party doesn't have to listen to what the voters say. In the primary elections, that means those people who are voting in the primary elections, they think they're Republicans, but they're not. The Republican Party is something different and much more limited. And the implications here are going to be enormous. And Trump, they're going to have to play nice with Mr. Trump, because given these admissions, assuming Mr. Hoagland knows what he's talking about, Trump is in a position to destroy the Republican Party right now. If he wants to push this hard, he can collapse the party. And there's, from what Mr. Hoagland said, it appears that the same rules apply in the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party doesn't have to pay any attention to the voters in the Democrat election either, and primaries either. Right? Both of the parties are above all that. They, as, and they asked Mr. Hoagland during the course of this interview on CNBC, they said, well, why do we have primary elections? Well, that's a thing. <laughs> and he said, that's a good question. I mean, that's, that's a good question. They're irrelevant. He didn't say they're irrelevant, but, but he that, said that's a very good isn't question. That, Al, isn't that just that they don't get the delegates? Yeah, it if means they, the delegates the are del- not committed. They can. It means no. that Trump could have Trump could win ninety percent of the delegates and still be denied the nomination by the Republican Party. But you have to get a hundred percent. No, you don't. You have to get fifty-one percent. You got to get the most. You only have to get fifty-one. You might even have to get fifty-one percent, but you got to get more than anyone else. You might be able to get by with some sort of plurality, but at least, but perhaps a majority is what's required. Fifty-one percent. All right, it'll definitely do it. Fifty-one percent of the twelve thirty-seven. Yeah, I think that's no twelve thirty-seven. Presumably, I'm guessing that is fifty-one percent. So 
But that's the, if he doesn't get 1237. But if he gets 1237, they can't deny him the nomination. Yeah, that's what this guy from that's what this guy from the Republican National Committee said. Even if he didn't say it expressly, but what he said is Trump doesn't necessarily win this. We can stop him just by be, according to existing rules. If we don't like him, we don't have to deal with him. That means all of the voters are irrelevant. This is a bizarre and extraordinary admission. Again, CNBC, Washington Times did an article the next day where they said they're thinking about trashing the whole 1,500-page rule book. That's incredible. That's like trashing the whole Bible because you find one verse in there you don't like. This is an extraordinary story, but we're going to take a break. We're into our, into our commercials. Let's stop here, and we will be back in a moment on financial survival. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom and our guest Rob West from RME Advisors. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adisker with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. And what's next, Melody? Well, I want to... Rob West, of course, but what's next? Well, I wanted to uh, go back to the monetary policy. We had Bernanke today, Ben Bernanke, uh, the federal uh, Fed chairman, and uh, he wrote today that the 
uh, monetary policy is pretty much reaching its limits. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said uh, he argued a balanced, whatever this might be, a balanced monetary fiscal response would better boost the economy than monetary tools alone. Now, let's let's clarify one thing. The fiscal response is mm-hmm. handled by the government. The monetary yep. response is handled, handled by the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve. He's saying the Federal Reserve is out of slits. There's not much more they can do. And he's starting to say, and he's not the first one to say so, but what he's saying is it's up to the government now to do, if the economy is going to be supported, healed, whatever, we're going to have recovery, it's up to the government to do it by means of fiscal policy, which means more taxes, less taxes, whatever, while the Federal Reserve just kind of sits on the sidelines. Yeah, and he also talked about the negative rates. He says uh, they would have just modest benefits. He didn't think that would happen, but certainly it should be considered. And, uh, you know, pretty much he was giving instructions to Janet Yellen. But the whole point of this is, hey, it's it's, it's almost done, folks. And, yeah, you know, and, you know, when we talk about what these guys, the Fed chairman, Ben Bernanke, yeah, you know, he's not in my, my book of heroes, you know. But when, you know, hey, he's been there, he knows what he's talking about, he understands um, that, you know, we're reaching its limits. And, you know, just like anything else, they, they usually, those who hold the power and, and, and those that pretty much destroy, they will come out and come clean in some manner uh, to tell us or... or at least to give us an inkling, perhaps, of what's going on. Well, Rob was talking earlier in the program. He said he wished that they, the people in the Federal Reserve and whatever were actually given an education where they had some idea what they were doing. And <clears throat> this is interesting because in Japan, the Bank of Japan has recently, the uh, president, Chairman Hirota, uh, if I recall the name correctly, of the Bank of Japan, He's come out and said for their new plan, their new and improved plan, they're going to have seminars to improve the economy, which means he's sending people back to school to figure out what's really going on. Seminars. Do you plan to attend any such seminars, Rob? Uh, Do you plan to conduct any? Well, as a matter of fact, I was going to engage Melody on some ideas that you guys had some time ago about doing uh, doing webinars on various educational mm-hmm. topics, which <clears throat> we can talk about that after you know after the show, Melody. But I've been listening to everything you've been saying, and everything is right on point, except for the fact that we're talking about Bernanke, we're talking about money policy. Problem is, folks, we're studying the wrong books. See. We're talking about the Federal Reserve that shouldn't even be in power at all with anything. We're teaching the wrong material. We have to go back and educate people to what the right books are. And it's real easy to start with the Constitution. And thank goodness it's still there. But we need to teach it from a different library because every time we listen to these other pundits, did you ever think – there's a there's a pattern. If you're the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, you almost always end up at a higher power in the Treasury. <clears throat> now, the, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York is one of the is among the largest trading desks in the world for all markets. And you wonder how markets get manipulated. Well, because they're the Federal Reserve and they answer to no one, because they make the money policy. They can push buttons and digitize money as much as they want. 
that's why they're getting, I mean, it's not the fox guarding the hen house here. It's the whole pack, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. We need to get people to understand the common realities that they're never told about, but we always listen to the news as if the the wrong books in the library are the only ones to read. This is what I'm saying about the financial education. Melody and I have talked about this in the past a couple of times. The fundamental problem is that we have a fiat currency. All right. And I think if you take classical economics, classical economics will work with asset-based currencies, gold and silver. I think when you change from asset-based currencies to debt-based currencies, uh, the fiat dollars, the digital dollars, the paper dollars that we have today, I don't think classical economics works anymore. I think once you embrace this crazy monetary system, the world becomes, the system becomes irrational, and that's what we're looking at. People are trying to create negative interest rates, and they're trying to say, oh, this is normal, this is logical, this is reasonable. No, it's not. It's crazy, but it flows from the original premise which is that we can treat these fiat dollars the same as real money, which is gold and silver. If we want to restore this country and get back to the books that matter, we're going back from Keynesian economics to classical economics, but we can't make that transition unless we also have a gold and silver-based monetary system, in my opinion. Do you agree with that, or do you think I'm missing the boat, or part right, part wrong? What do you think, Rob? I think you're right on it, and I could add to that that I'm sure if we would develop an educational series about that, that a number of segments, not only with classical economics versus the fiat currency, but keep in mind the fiat currency in the banking system is on fractional reserve banking. And people, Mm -hmm. that in itself is just a big bruise that people don't see they've even been into a fight with. I mean, if you and I would be able to run our books you know, with fractional reserve banking rules. Wow. I mean, we, <laughs> and what I'm afraid of is, and I read a comment about Bill Fleckenstein was saying silver might be screaming to higher levels simply because people are losing confidence in the idiot central bankers. <clears throat> well, so many people don't even know what the term the central banker is and, and, and yeah, what they do, you yeah. know, so we need to go at some elementary levels and develop some, conversation and maybe PowerPoints and perhaps through webinars to bring people sequentially up related to the Constitution, and you'll see that the currency that we're working with shouldn't be in existence anyway. I know. I know. And that's just that's... what you said about the power of gold and silver in classical mm-hmm. economics. Yeah. And you know what, Al? When we started doing these programs and started discount gold and silver over 20-some years ago, that's what we talked about. That's what we, we were educating people on why it was important to have gold and silver. And then it was like it changed. And I even get comments from some of our listeners. They said, well, you know, it's even hard to listen to, you know, radio, even shortwave radio, because there used to be all programs. And they said, yours is still about the only one who still truly educates a lot about the monetary system, the central banks, and so forth. And it was like after, and and this isn't a pet peeve of mine, but it's just an observation. After 2008, 9, and 10, when gold went to 1900, you have a lot of Wall Streeters get into the gold and silver area where they push a totally different, they don't even 
talk about the real monetary policies and what these central bankers mean and, and you know that they, they they talk about you know uh, you know it, 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 they they pulled away from why people really need to own gold and silver because a lot of these guys push paper investments so they want you to have maybe 5 or 10 you know, you know, percent in your portfolio of physical gold, but then they're going to slam you into other paper investments, whether it be bonds, stocks, or whatever. You know, your gold stored in Timbuktu or, or uh, you know, certificates, gold certificates. So it really has changed, and you're absolutely correct. I think that's part of the problem why people are shying away from gold and silver. Number one, they're confused. Number two, they don't understand. There's no one providing that education on a regular mm-hmm. basis, except yeah. really this program. Yeah. Well, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I back in the 90s, uh, there was a guy who used to come to some of our meetings at a group called Citizens for Legal Reform who went out. He had a degree in political science, and he went out and conducted an experiment. And he'd go to 7-Eleven stores, and he'd buy a, a Slurpee, and a, and, a, and a hot dog and whatever. At this, and he'd go up to the cashier, and he would pay the cashier with $6 bills. Now, these were obvious jokes. They had a picture of Bill Clinton on the front and a picture of Monica Lewinsky on the back, and they had actual jokes on the, on the paper. But the clerks would take these notes, these, these joke notes, and the only problem they had is when they opened the cash register drawer, they couldn't they had a, they had a little trace space for the ones and another one for the fives and for the tens and the twenties and so on. And they didn't know what to do with the six. So they just lifted it up and they put it underneath with the hundreds and the fifties. Right? And it was evidence of the way people understand money. They, they only understand it as something you count. They know that a five is better than a one and a 10 is better than a five. But beyond that, they don't know anything about money other than how to count it. And that is almost the least of what happens with money. If you really want to get into the nature of money, it goes much, much deeper. And we don't have time to get into it right now. But I agree that a seminar on these subjects would be helpful and perhaps even popular. So who's going to start the seminar, Rob? Well, I would be happy to um, engage uh, Melody and uh, and you about how to put this together, uh, you know, just with some formatting ideas. And Melody, it'd be interesting if some of your readers or listeners would call in to you and or email you and let us know if uh, they would be uh, open to these types of uh, mini courses that we could put on for them. And, uh, Melody, I think between you and Al and I, we probably have a hundred years of experience in this in this financial arena. And, uh, and <laughs> really? yeah, it's probably true. It's probably, probably true, but that's the sort of subject, Rob, that, <laughs> you know, when you start talking to people our age range, you start talking about a hundred years and start, wait a second now, don't, don't push Actually, me Al, than I already am. It's probably more than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's probably right. <laughs> it's probably more, but I've ahead. been trying to understand money now since <laughs> about 1990. So I've got 27 years. We may not. I don't know, Bob. You probably have forty or fifty years in it. True. Yeah, forty-five. Yeah, forty-five. Forty-five. All right, I Melody. I, <laughs> I, Come on, Melody. You don't have to tell us how old you are, but you do have to tell us how many years you've been studying the money system. Well, I've been was working in banks since the eighties, so bankings and <clears throat> well, then Rob is right. Bankings, insurance. We're in. And... We we have accumulated 
100 years of experience. So, all right. What else have we got? We got about two and a half minutes left, two minutes left. Um, anything else you think people should be aware of? We see that there's cause for fear. How, well, how do you best protect yourself against the possibility that we're going to see difficult times ahead? Well, I could weigh in on that first, uh, if I Go may, ahead. Melody. And <clears throat> I know we get passionate and we talk about you know, these topics in certain ways, and I, I think people do uh, have this element of fear that they really should have. They should, probably should have a, a much bigger element than, than they do have, but I want to emphasize it's not too late. You know, you can't do a U-turn with the Queen Mary. You got to, you know, gradually turn it a little at a time. And so don't get to the point where you just get deer in the headlights. I mean, there's things we can do and we just have to map it out and start carrying it out. But it's most important to connect up with Melody and, uh, and, and Al and me, if you'd like, and make sure you're reading the right books. Well, first of all, start reading the books. You know, and then maybe we can help develop some educational format. It'd be nice, Melody, if some of your, if your listeners would give you an email and uh, let them know your interest on the topic. But uh, anyway, that's why well, I think. Not just tell us that they are or aren't interested, but what kind of questions would they like us to address? Oh, great idea. Yeah. 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 Where so, do they see their, their largest confusion? So if you're listening, folks, and you should be, uh, if you've got any questions, Along the lines of what you'd like to learn about money, send an email to Melody. What, what, where do you want the email sent, Melody? Have them send it to dgscoins.com. That's easiest to remember. DGS for discount gold, silver coins, coins.com. Okay, there's yeah. the, that, that's the website. Um, all right, and you, oh, can DGS. Find, you can find the email at that yeah, location. That, yes. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right, we are out of time. I want to thank you, Rob, for being on the program. Look, talk, look forward to talking to you again. Look forward to putting together some seminars. Um, I'm Alfred Ask here with Melody Cedars from Rob West from RME Advisors in Colorado. And uh, Melody and I will be back on Monday. Have a good weekend, folks. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, Rob West. Bye-bye.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. makes deep sea salt from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today but only three only three will win the Green Beret yep that's the way it was 100 men will test today only three win the Green Beret when they allowed me to enlist the requirement was you're supposed to be a sergeant on your second tour I wasn't anything except raw, wet behind the ears. But the recruiter thought, since I'd aced the uh, aptitude test, so here's a smart boy, and uh, we'll put this boy in the Airborne Infantry. So they enlisted me in Special Forces. The idea that the first test that I failed, I would go into the Airborne Infantry. And, of course, God, they didn't know that. I really didn't know it for a while, but God put me on this earth to be in special forces. I would have been in prison uh, otherwise. In special forces, uh, I was allowed to lead men on daring missions. Uh, We didn't have any rules a uh, lieutenant general called me a young bandit one day, and this is in combat. He said, you young bandit, you special forces think you can just kill anybody. He says, haven't you ever read the MACV rules of engagement? I didn't want to look surprised, but I didn't much care in those days when my life was on the line. And I said, uh, General... O'Connor, I have never heard of the MACB rules of engagement. And he just looked disgusted. He looked toward the four-star general that was actually my daddy rabbit. He said, you see, he says, you can't open fire until you are receiving effective automatic weapons fire. Now, do you understand that? And see, to me, that was absolute stupidity. We had a French house, meaning it was not made like a mud hut with a thatched roof like most of the houses in Vietnam. This was made uh, with wood and uh, had windows and floors. So we call it a French house. And it was the home in Four Corps, which was down the southern parts of Vietnam, for the commanding general of 
the communist artillery. So the one general in charge of all the indirect fire was there visiting his parents. And our U-2s had spotted 30 guards in the little wood line that surrounded the French house. It was just a little thin wood line, like you were to plant picket fence, that went around the house, and there were 30 armed guards, all of them with submachine guns. And then out uh, around between two and five miles, uh, there were battalions and regiments of Viet Cong and North Vietnamese Army who were securing uh, their general from any kind of encirclement or any kind of raid by uh, conventional forces. And you could see that about 100 meters uh, from the house, there was this little uh, rabbit hole, which actually was a bomb shelter. So it was obvious to me the general was inside the house with his parents and that the first sign of trouble, he would scurry because there was a creek bank that ran along there too. He would scurry along this creek bank and wood line uh, covered by his 30 armed guards and he would uh, go into this rabbit hole until the airstrike uh, was over and then he would emerge and uh, go back in the house. So my plan was, since my mission was to capture him, my plan was to put a FAC, forward air controller, as high in the sky as he could see us and breathe. This meant about 15,000 feet. You couldn't see nor hear him uh, as a little O-1 uh, mosquito and yet we had good communication with him. He could use his binoculars, and he could see the target uh, from miles over the horizon, and he could see us, and he could guide us precisely without following any particular terrain, and we could uh, have our skids right in the rice and leaping over the little tree lines, and he would guide us directly to the house. Now, my lead ship, which I would be on, was going to land hard right on the roof of the house. And uh, this would have crashed through the roof. It might have disabled the helicopter, but we would be shooting at the 30 armed guards from within the target. And uh, a number of us, there would have been eight aboard the bird. Uh, while uh, four was concentrating on giving fire to the 32 guards, the other four would go down into the uh, home, arrest uh, the general. If our copter was still working, then uh, we would get aboard and try to fly out. If it wasn't, uh, then we would either have to, if we were permanently crashed, we would have to make our way to the bomb shelter or if the general just happened to be at the bomb shelter when we crashed through the roof, uh, that team uh, would take him and capture him and take off and uh, leave us to our fate. Well, that's where uh, General O'Connor said, you can't do this. He said, you're violating the MACV rules of engagement. And uh, it showed me something that rules are rules for general application, but 
There's uh, many reasons for rules to be broken. If you wanted to capture a general-grade officer, a commander of all artillery uh, of the communists, you are going to have to use some pretty drastic uh, and things that he would never think of. And it meant blasting, opening fire, crashing the helicopter through the roof. And uh, you couldn't creep up on him. He had all kinds of screening units. And so this wasn't against the MACV rules of engagement. So I said, no, I haven't read them. (laughs) I don't want to read them. I don't have any rules. People did not want me to tell them. That's the problem. When they used to get what we call briefbacks, where I would tell them how I was going to execute the mission, oftentimes I've had four-star generals that would say, uh, excuse me, Bo, when it got pretty close uh, to violating the rules of land warfare, and he would say, uh, we're really not interested in how you do it, just that you have everything you need and that you do it. Now, see what got me into the fight with General O'Connor that day was that I needed two O-1 radio relay aircraft. The O-1 can loiter for four hours, but I figured it was going to take us about four hours to get down to four core uh, approaching this target, and people have to go to the bathroom. So I needed an extra that could go aloft and relieve. And O'Connor said, we just don't have the assets to give you. So when I went in and told uh, General Wyatt, four-star general, I said, sir, I, I can't accomplish this mission. I need two O-1Es. And so he just looked at O'Connor and said, General, give him Two one o e s and see that's when it was settled, but O'Connor got mad and called me a young bandit, and that i we didn't follow the rules and but uh we got the job done now uh today is Friday. I wanted to start you off by reading something that I've held off reading most of the week because um uh one it's it's not. Uh, uplifting, and it is actually in place right now. It is in place in America, but it hasn't happened yet. And I've talked to you the past two days about paradigms. Now, let me explain if it's all right, and please don't take offense if you know well what I'm talking about. If you do, you know well that there's a lot of people uh, that don't quite understand a paradigm. A paradigm is a uh, generic term. It's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, paradigm. Now, it has to do with scientific measuring of anything. This is kind of what's hard to imagine about it. Let me give you an example. As a cultural anthropologist, I can say accurately that we have reached a paradigm. Now, a paradigm is something of like force. When we have reached the paradigm, it means that 
while there is still time before what the paradigm is has happened, uh, it also means that there is, by the time the paradigm is reached, no way that it can be reversed. So as a cultural anthropologist, I tell you, we don't measure things by religion. We measure things by race. And uh, most recently in the 2010 census, I have told you that every region has had a sharp increase in Hispanic residents. Well, the thing that isn't mentioned is how many uh, Jewish people, for example, moved in or moved out. I can tell you uh, the total, because this is a statistic, what the percentage is that is moved in and moved out. And uh, I can tell you uh, by nationality, but they don't measure anything in uh, religious terms. And so what I can tell you as a cultural anthropologist, and you may say, Bowl, uh, you you can't be everything. Well, I studied cultural, and this is at a graduate level, cultural anthropology at the University of Kansas, the Jayhawkers. And that's why I'm kind of sad to say that the head of that church in Wichita, Kansas, that goes around and protests at GI funerals, wears a Jayhawker jacket, and it sort of gets my ire up because I have been a Jayhawker. And I measured in cultural anthropology because that's what special forces actually are. We are cultural anthropologists. We know everything there is about a foreign culture. We study the language. We know what the norms are. We know don't show your bottom of your feet or offer your left hand uh, to a Muslim. We know, uh, you know, don't make a, a V sign to a European. <laughs> he thinks you're giving him the bird. And so there are uh, a social anthropologist knows about how to get along and survive in the areas that you are targeted for. Now, let me tell you, as a social anthropologist, in the next 50 years in America, and it will be in the next 40 years within countries of Europe, the native people, meaning in case of Spain, the Spaniards, in case of France, the frogs, in case of Great Britain, uh, the Englishmen, in case of America, the European stock that is majority now in 50 years will be a minority. We have already watched the paradigm. It is like a dark angel crossover. And suddenly the sun is darkened and we look up and we see this uh, and we think, oh, and if it was labeled, it would say cultural paradigm. 
passing over. See, now, no matter what we do, and how come that is? Because the Muslim, the Islamic, and we've been studying this in Congress yesterday. Didn't get far because everybody was trying to be politically correct. But if the U.S. Census Service uh, were to measure the birth rate of Muslims, they would find it about 8 to 1. Now, this is a thriving culture. If you measure, and you have to have like 2.1 to 1 in order to survive, if you fall below like 2.3, so if you fall 2.1 or 2, or if you're only having one, see what that means is two parents, one child. So if you only have one, are we falling behind? We are a dead race. We're a dead race 40 years because that is uh, how a generation was married and was uh, measured in the Bible, and it is how it is still measured. And so in Swiss, they are, and actually Spain is worse off than anybody, but in Spain and in France and in England, the Muslim at 8 to 1 will overtake in 40 years the native people, European people of Germany, etc., who have less than 2.5, they will overtake them. And those people will be a minority. And then you will start to see Sharia law. Now, this is a paradigm, and it has already happened. And right now, there's nothing we can do about it except recognize it and prepare for it. Now, you could do some things to delay it if you didn't have the night-after pill where a teenager could go into any drugstore and buy it without uh, parental permission, and they gulp that down, and wow, they can't have a baby. And if uh, the white people would stop being convinced and if the government would stop allowing uh, gross abortions, we got over 50 million Americans, mainly white, that are not allowed to live. So they're murdered, and our land is soaked in their innocent blood. Well, if we were uh, to be, through all of our newspapers and our television, uh, de-convinced, well, a woman has a right to a career, and maybe it isn't right to have children right now. So you get rid of these children you have right now, and then later on you have children. Right. Well, the paradigm has passed us by. In 50 years, white people will be a minority in America. If you are a minority, and in Europe, if you are a minority, you do not make the law. And so you'll get a chance to see what it's like to live under Sharia law. Now, another paradigm. See, and here's one thing. Uh, people mostly think 
uh, in two or three dimensions. I, I won't go into long lessons now, but I'm running out of time. But a special forces operator will think in as many dimensions as he might imagine. Now, what is a dimension? Well, we have a one dimension. Everybody knows about that. We have two dimension, uh, length and width. Everybody knows about that. We have three dimension, length, width, depth. Everybody knows about that. Do we have a fourth dimension? Well, of course. The fourth dimension starts to multiply when you consider energy waves, vibrations. We have television. Is that a dimension? We can't see the wave, but it's there. And it puts on a tube, uh, things that we watch every day. And radio, you can't see the waves, but somehow they're coming into your receiver. There's a fifth dimension for you. We may not be able to see God, but he is there. His hand is out. He is knocking. All we need to do is open. But if you can't imagine these dimensions, then how can you plan to use them? Point is that there is another paradigm that is crossed, or I should say crossing. It is a weather paradigm. Now, we have laughed and poked fun at Al Gore. Al Gore has gotten a Nobel Prize. Al Gore has gotten an Emmy for a song. Al Gore uh, has uh, gotten an award uh, for television. Al Gore is a heavily decorated person. He claims to have invented the Internet, and there's where we joke at him a little bit, because I don't think Al Gore invented the Internet. But it's nice to say he did. Al Gore said that uh, there was a climate climate change uh, headed to the world. The climate change was going to get warmer, and uh, the world would respond. Well, you know something? We laughed and scoffed and pointed how cold winters were and this kind of thing. Now, the truth is, While we may not like Al Gore, I mean, he beat Minnie Mee Bush in the 2000 presidential election, but according to the Supreme Court, I will let Florida decide. And so he lost. He won the popular vote. He lost the electoral vote. So Al Gore had the election stolen from him. Al Gore was telling the truth. A paradigm doesn't happen like the snap of a fingers. You know about a paradigm when it's over. <laughs> now, let me give you an example. Uh, at two sixty, no, two forty-six p.m. today, which is now been, you're going to see this today is tomorrow in Japan. The sun is just now coming up in Japan, and uh, so they're a day ahead of us. And so 2.46 p.m. their Friday, Japan had an earthquake that registered 
stronger than any earthquake uh, that has uh, hit the earth uh, in a hundred years. It was the fifth strongest earthquake ever recorded. It was a, if you look at the Richter scale of zero to ten, it was a nine. And uh, it was pretty ferocious. There were 30 aftershocks following the earthquake. Now, you know, in Japan, a lot of stuff is made out of uh, straw and uh, rice paper. And so fire uh, is something that uh, ravages a whole city. And fire has broken out in 80 locations in Japan. Now, the tsunami, this was an explosion that was about uh, 260 miles from uh, Tokyo, but the ocean explosion caused a tsunami that has swept over a large part of Japan, and there are more than... Uh, then they figure it'll probably be a thousand, but right now they've got 351 bodies, 750 are injured, and over 500 are missing. They figure they'll be added to the death count. 70,000 have been evacuated, 1,800 homes have been destroyed. They got four million with no power. This is a sign of a paradigm. We're going to see more and more and more of this. And this is Al Gore's You Better Watch Out. The weather's changing. We'll talk a lot more about this, obviously, for a long time. So you stay where you are. When you come back, you may want to have something to write with. Freedom is calling you on American Voice Radio. your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. 
What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. to American Voice and Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greitz. And we're talking about paradigms. And we're talking about, uh, and always do this. Uh, I'm a martial artist. As a matter of fact, I will teach uh, karate in Sandy Valley uh, to about 30 students uh, tonight. And uh, when I teach them, I do it slowly, gently, easily. You just can't give them a shot or a pill, and all of a sudden they're uh, Jet Lee or one of these uh, martial artists that's in the movies. <clears throat> it takes time. and But what I do is I teach them that uh, we always pay as much attention to our left as we do our right to a martial artist there is no right there is no left you're equally able to utilize both this is known as to be amnidextrous 
And you may say, oh, gosh, Bo, that's really hard. No, it isn't. You study martial art, and you get it sort of a way of life, and the next thing you know, you might as well reach out or throw a ball or toss somebody something. You'll hit the trash can just as many times uh, shooting the toilet paper uh, with the left hand as you will the right. Well, paradigms are the same way, and they're like enemies. And so I say that uh, in our martial art, we always make a defense, which is followed up by a counterattack, which we are then ready for the next threat. And we could have any number of threats. We always simply apply a priority, and if we do it correctly, then our priorities will be defeated one at a time all around us until finally there are no uh, more threats. Well, these paradigms uh, do not come in just ones. If they came in just ones, we could possibly deal with them a little better. But the paradigm of white people being a minority is an anthropological paradigm. You can have a paradigm of any description, but remember what a paradigm is. It is something that has common dimensions, common purposes, and it involves a major movement. And once the paradigm is formed, and once the paradigm is interacting with you, then you can jump up and down, scream and holler, you can yell at God, uh, you can uh, do anything that you want, burn a candle in the Catholic Church, and the paradigm doesn't go away. It is going to continue. It's, it is uh, of such greatness that there's no, nothing for you to do about it other than try and your best to survive and try to make it as short as you can. And I think that's what Christ means uh, when a man yesterday said, Bo, what do you believe about the rapture? And I said, I believe what God has said in his book. I believe that we are going to have to endure God says that if not even the elect could endure unless the time, this paradigm, is shortened. But for the elect, it is shortened. And so uh, my friend's comment was, so we will never go through the, the tribulation. And I said, no, he didn't say that. Uh, maybe not to the end. He said it will be shortened. So we're not to lay in the dying cockroach. Then he asked me a question. Well, what about uh, being caught up uh, to be with Christ uh, in the clouds uh, in the air? And I said, well, do you think that how many times is Christ coming? Is Christ coming Uh, so that we see him, and like the movie has been made, suddenly uh, people, uh, pilots aren't in the seat anymore, drivers aren't there, mothers are gone, there's no more kindergarten, Uh, you know, people just start going up in the air. 
I said, how high do we have to go? How do we know what we're doing? And then I looked over and I said, you know, I have a seal, a great seal of the United States. I said, I want you to look at it. You see above the eagle's head, there are 13 stars. Now you see around the 13 stars, these little uh, segments. They look like puffs. I said, what they are are clouds. Now, why do you suppose they'd put clouds around the 13 stars on the seal of the United States? Because those 13 stars stand for the original 13 colonies, and it stands the clouds have always been symptomatic of God's glory. Clouds, glory, clouds of glory. That is what we are being caught up in with Christ is his glory. That is why the scripture says, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. That means Christ brings with him all of those from the time of Adam to the last who have died in the first resurrection, when he comes to claim the earth. Now, those of us who have been left on the earth, we have gone through all of the things that have been listed as planned for the earth. Christ says it will be a time of Noah. Uh, It will be a time of Lot. Uh, It is not going to be a good time. He says... Not even the elect would be able to endure. But for the elect, the time is shortened so that we can just endure. Well, and it also says there in Thessalonians, they say, well, what about Bo? It says we're going to be caught up uh, to be with Christ in the air. Well, the Greek word which the New Testament was written in the word, the original word, was eros, which is translated to the air we breathe. You get up to 15,000 feet, there isn't any air anymore. Most of the Earth's atmosphere is below 15,000 feet. So does that mean we're going to get up there to, let's say, 10,000 feet, and we're going to hover? We're going to have to hang up there until what? It doesn't make any sense. But if we are to be with Christ in his glory, in the air, that means while not while he's in heaven. You see, that's another dimension that we can't see away. It means in the air, here. He's going to be here with us. And he's going to be filled with glory, the clouds of glory. And we are going to be changed just like those that are coming with him into celestial bodies. We're going to look better than we've ever looked. That is a paradigm. We are caught in this paradigm. This paradigm, I believe, is now beginning. Let me read you something that I believe is part of the paradigm. And this is what Obama intends to do. I read you yesterday that you're going to have to pay a 3.5% in a uh, income tax 
if you sell your house in 2012, by 2013, we will be paying, if you sell your house for $100,000, you'll owe the government 3500 Now, listen to this. This is in Ontario, which is Canada, our neighbor up here to the north. It is 2011, and this is reported in LifeSite News. One-year-old Joseph Marachel, M-A-R-A-A-C-H-L-I, Marcelli, yeah, of Windsor, Colorado, will have his life support removed Monday at 10 a.m. after the Ontario Superior Court today rejected an appeal by the parents to bring him home where he can die under their care. Now, does this sound like this little girl? Does, doesn't it? Terry Shivo. They, the parents, they just wanted her to come home so that they could take care of her. This little boy just wants his parents wanted him to come home. Let him, let them take care of him. Let him die at home. Uh uh-uh. uh. A leading anti-euthanasia advocate. Euthanasia means you're going to kill old and uh, others who are determined uh, not to be worthy of life any longer. Says the decision facilitates a system where doctors are authorized to force life and death decisions on parents. Warning that is, in fact, far worse than the death panels recently debated in the United States as part of the federal health care law. Monday at 10 a.m., they will kill my baby. Joseph's father told the news shortly after the ruling. There's no more humanity. There's no more chance. See, this is a paradigm that's reached, isn't it? I've tried everything for him. No more appeals. Nothing. I've asked them, why not send him to Windsor and let him die at home? They said, they will give him an injection, but I don't want to. I asked God, and maybe he breathed, he added. Joseph was taken to Victoria Hospital in London, Ontario, in October, where he was diagnosed with severe neurological issues. Doctors gave him no chance of recovery. Mo and his wife, Sana, have asked doctors to perform a tracheotomy so that uh, he could uh, take Joseph home, but the doctors refused, saying the procedure is too risky. Now, they're going to kill him, but the procedure, cutting the boy's uh, throat, his windpipe, so he can breathe uh, without a respirator, doesn't sound uh, so risky to me. We're taught how to do it as an emergency procedure. Anyway, the Marcelli's daughter died from a similar complication eight years ago. But in that case, doctors performed a tracheotomy, and she was able to die at home. Joseph's parents want the same for him. But the Consent and Capacity Board of Ontario sided with the hospital. 
and a date for removing Joseph's respirator was set. The family was able to hold it off by filing an appeal with the Superior Court. Today, the Superior Court Justice Alan Rady also sided with the hospital, saying Joseph is in a permanent vegetative state with no brain stem reflex. She called it a sad and difficult case, according to the London Free Press, and ordered the hospital to allow the parents until Monday, 10 a.m., to afford the family adequate time to say their goodbyes. Alex Schadenberg, executive director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, who has been communicating with the parents, emphasized that they aren't pushing for extraordinary treatment, just asking to care for their dying child at home. They're arguing that the best way to do that is by doing a tracheotomy so the child can somewhat breathe on his own and care for him while he's dying. It is that they want to to simply say, we have control, he asks. If it's about their control, then we're in serious trouble. They now control when someone lives and someone dies, and who makes these decisions and how these decisions are made. Schellenberg said the court appears to be saying that the hospitals and doctors make the decisions for patients, whether they like it or not. It's worse than the death panel concept that's being being debated in the United States. It really is. It's much worse, he said. They're saying we will decide. They're not even going to converse with you. We have the weight of the court. We have the financial bearing of a massive government institution to be able to force this on you. That has serious repercussions because you simply cannot trust the moral authority of the health care institution or the doctors, he added. It's the hospitals. It's the doctors, once again, usurping their power over the people. That's what's happening. And they have significant power that they have the money and they have the courts behind them. It's absolutely ridiculous. John Hughes, national president of Campaign Life Coalition, Canada's leading pro-life organization, called the situation appalling. I don't understand it. Do doctors' rights now trump parental rights? And what about the right of the child to die in the loving arms of of his parents at home. Well, friends, (laughs) I was at Pinellas Park. I saw that they were going to kill little Terry Shivo. Her parents were crying and saying, give her to us. Let us take her home. Let us care for her. It's no cost to you. It's easy. Let us have her. Who made up the decision? A judge, Judge George Greer, a probate judge, a weenie judge. 
decided over the President of the United States, U.S. Congress. He decided over the governor of Florida and the governor legislature. As a matter of fact, the governor of Florida sent the state police to get the little girl. They made a mistake. They called the Pinellas Park police at the home where the girl uh, was uh, on life support systems and said, we're coming at the orders of the governor to get her and put her in a regular hospital uh, so that the regular hospital can give her the care the parents think she should have. And the Pinellas Park police said, we will resist. We have our judge, Judge George Greer. We will resist. And so the state police didn't go get her. I had to do something. I and a Catholic, a young man who had just been there as a musician to play for the Pope, John Paul II. He had a host that the pontiff had given. He had brought it back. I had a glass of water. We both knew we wouldn't make it, but we wanted God to decide. I crossed the line with the flag of the United States. It was immediately ripped from my hands, thrown to the ground. The water was batted away from me. My hands were locked behind me in handcuffs. I was taken and put into a police paddy wagon and driven to the jail. I thought it was God's will that would allow me to change the order of things. If I could have just had a moment with Michael Shivo, the young woman so-called husband, she had had children with his mistress, but he still was supposed to be her husband. I would have done to him what I believe he did to her. In about two minutes, I would have rendered him brain dead. And then the parents would have been next in line. But the Hemlock Society, of which George Greer was part of, was solidly toward denying the girl her life, and it took them 11 days to starve her to death by keeping any food away and deprivation of water. I thought it was a crime. Friends, we the paradigm is already here. <laughs> it just gets better and worse, if you will, as just like a hurricane, not like a tornado. The hurricane comes over. There are dark clouds. The sea begins to move. Then you get in to the wall, and then suddenly there's the center, and there may seem to be peace. And then, in the opposite direction, here it comes again, almost to the absolute point of destruction. I'm going to uh, read you something, uh, well, as I take a look at it. Uh, uh, let me forgo. I, I, I'll probably only be able to make one more broadcast after I finish uh, this John Weaver speech. This John Weaver speech is so well done, and it can 
contains so much research. It ought to be a doctoral thesis. It is about slavery in America. It is about how we are misdirected. It is literally about a plan that was put into the congressional record back in the 1950s. And I want to read it to you. And I want you to realize what the truth is. It's not that we can change the paradigm, but at least we should not be wondering. Let me give you uh, the, the statistics for today. 5,947 young Americans dead uh, for the cocaine, for the, the heroin in Afghanistan, for the oil in Iraq. If there's any other reason, tell me. You got my website, bogreitz at msn.com. But if you can't think of any other reason, is that worth having our young men in harm's way? It isn't. Do what you have to do. You know, I wrote my senator. I wrote my senator two days ago. Do you know that last night, one day, I had a letter back? He said, I am going to suggest to do what it is that you've said you want it. Get, write letters. I wrote letters so that they would be 3D and they'd have to wad them up rather than sending uh, on the email. All right, the uh, total debt of the United States, which we only have until Friday week, this is Friday. Next Friday, government closes down. Fourteen trillion two hundred and twenty nine billion two hundred million and it goes up four billion a day. The uh, deficit right now, Obama is working with one point one trillion three hundred and twenty nine billion nine hundred and fifty nine thousand uh, million. I'm sorry, one billion. Three hundred twenty-nine, uh, one trillion, three hundred twenty-nine billion, nine hundred fifty-nine million. It's a lot of numbers, isn't it? In America, we have three hundred ten thousand nine hundred sixty-nine thousand two hundred. We have three hundred ten million nine hundred sixty-nine thousand two hundred sixty-five. Almost three hundred eleven million. Now, Medicare cost us. $308 billion a year. Social Security cost $706 billion a year. The Department of Defense costs us $365 billion a year. The Social Security Insurance, that's people who aren't old enough, but yet they're disabled some way, is $432 billion, $340 million. The interest on the debt to the uh, non-federal reserve is two hundred and twenty billion four hundred and thirteen million three hundred and fifty thousand. The total U.S. debt, the total U.S. debt, is fifty-five trillion eight hundred and forty-five billion 
The interest on the total debt in America is three trillion five hundred and fifty seven billion. These numbers are so high it's hard to even think of them. What I want you to think of is 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 the paradigm finished? Are we are we dead? Well, as white people, we are a dead culture walking. Yes, in 50 years, uh, we will be a minority. So we'll no longer be a majority. Ergo, I mean, if they keep, if they keep increasing the night after pills, it may be faster than that. But that's an anthropological certainty. It's a paradigm. In the weather, uh, this something is going to do ravish us. In the government, it's a paradigm. This is something that's going to ravish us. We can make a difference in 2012, but we have got to be positive. We've got to take the gloves off. We have to think in terms of drastic measures, something like a coin worth $15 trillion wailing of teeth as we pay off the federal debt, but again, giving America, not like the millions of fish that swam the wrong way and had no oxygen and died at King Harbor at Redondo Beach. Let's swim the right way where it's fresh and good. And there are people most people don't have any idea, <laughs> but there are people who do know how to do this. We got enough of the paradigms that have already swept over us. Weather, timing, financial, but we can do something about some of them. It doesn't do any good to lay in the dying cockroach saying, beam me up, Lord. I don't think that happens. All right, I'm going to leave you with American Voice Radio. I want you to think about the Fourth Commandment, which says keep the Sabbath day holy. And I want you to think, what does that mean? Is the Sabbath day the last day? Well, that's today, or tomorrow, rather, it is. Well, what is Sunday? It's the first day. Sunday is the day that we uh, say that we recognize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's do that. What do we do about the Sabbath? What do you do about the feast days that are coming? Passover. Passover will come here. I'll tell you all the dates. Stay with American Voice Radio. It's an order. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men Studies have 
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about what I call a box list and these people are my friends but more important than that they're people that I trust and respect I know they'll take good care of you like they always have me. First is Steve O'Brien of Quality Computers and whatever your computer needs from home to office, IT, intercoms, PA systems, uh, monitoring, he'll take care of you. 830-998-4381 is in the Frederick County area, but many things he can do online where you don't even have to take the computer to him, and he works all over the place. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I am your host, Jay Shanahan. 
And this is the Condition Critical Show. You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. It is St. Patrick's Day. It is the 17th day of March, 2016. Guys, it is four minutes past the hour. And as I said, you're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. This is my live show for Thursday. So uh, even though I'm Irish and it's St. Patrick's Day, I am here and I am not drunk. So there we go. Uh, go to my website, conditioncriticalshow.com. I posted it just a second ago into the chat room. It is a good way to contact me, which Clint did. Thank you, Clint. You sent me a link to something which I will be discussing here in the first half hour of the show. I appreciate that. So there you go, guys. It is a good way to, to uh, contact me. There's also a donate link uh, contained within my blog. And again, guys, I don't like to beg for money, and I'm not, but it, it does help. And anything would help to keep the lights on. There's also a donate link for this network, but I'm having been having trouble uh, locating that with the link that I have saved. But it's very easy. Just go to the AmericanVoiceRadio.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And, uh, and, and even uh, Frank's uh, news site, it, it's even easier to, to find that donate link. Go there, please. Donate $5. Uh, Frank would appreciate it, and so would I. Okay, well, a lot to cover this afternoon. I only have an hour to do so. So let's just start off with some serious stuff. Uh, Donald Trump. And there's a couple of interesting articles out. In fact, Clint sent me one, and I'm going to get to that. Let me find the one here. The first one I want to talk about, and it is it is this one right here, guys. And this is from Politico.com. And the, uh, come on, don't do that. Here we go. The headline is, top conservatives gather to plot third party run against Trump. And now I'll just start reading from it here. And then afterwards, there's a bit of an audio clip I'm going to have, uh, have Frank play. So again, the headline is, top conservatives gather to plot third party run against Trump. And it goes on, the meeting, it starts off, the meeting is scheduled for two days after tonight's primaries and what many Republicans operatives believe will determine whether Trump is, un, is on an unstoppable march to the nomination. And guys, that's today. Uh, this meeting is going to take place today. Three influential leaders, influential leaders of the conservative movement have summoned other top conservatives for a closed-door meeting Thursday in Washington, D.C. to talk about how to stop Donald Trump and, should he become the Republican nominee, how to run a third-party true conservative, and quotations, challenger in the fall. Let me just say this. Uh, these so-called conservatives uh, are nothing more than establishment conservatives, a.k.a. globalists. There you go. That's just, uh, and, and that's just my opinion, but as I like to say, it is a strong opinion. Let me continue. The organizers of the meeting include Bill Witcherman, interesting name, Witcherman, don't you think? I think it is interesting name, who was President George W. Bush's liaison to the conservative movement. Well, there you go. You don't need any other further proof that the guy's a globalist other than the fact that he's linked to George W. Bush. And then Bob Fisher a South Dakota businessman and longtime conservative convener, and Eric Erickson, an outspoken Trump opponent and conservative activist who founded RedState.com. You know, I've heard of that website, never been there, so I'm not familiar with it. I'm guessing it's some kind of a news aggregate. Maybe you guys can help me out on that. I guess it doesn't matter. I won't go there. The article goes on. Please join other conservative leaders uh, to strategize how to defeat Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. And that was a quote. The three wrote, in an invitation obtained by Politico that recently went out to conservative leaders, and it goes on, the quote goes on, and if he is the Republican nominee for president, to offer a true conservative candidate in the general election. And that's just, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. The article goes on. The meeting is scheduled for Thursday, which is today, two days after winner-take-all 
Florida and Ohio vote. And, and what many Republican operatives believe will determine whether Trump is on an unstoppable march to the nomination or is likely to stall out short of the 1,237 delegates he needs. It continues, one person involved in the gathering described it as, an, as in the embryonic stages. It's not like there's a royal grand plan that's going to be unfurled, this person said. People aren't giving up on the Republican Party yet. See what they're doing, guys? You see, they're still, they're, they're still trying to... To, to monkey this thing up. Let's see here. It goes on. Still, Witcherman, Fisher, and Erickson represent the three bold-faced names to host such a gathering. All three have deep ties to the social conservative movement, which Ted Cruz has tried to unite behind his candidacy. Hmm, interesting. There you go. That's pretty interesting that uh, Ted Cruz is trying to unite them behind his candidacy, because those are the establishment conservatives, a.k.a. globalists. It goes on. Witcherman, in addition to his top job for Bush, served as a senior advisor to Senate Majority Leader Bill First. He now works for Covington, a law firm in Washington, D.C. See how these guys just get recycled? See how they just get recycled? They go from one position to another, whether they're in an elected position or they're a bureaucrat. That's who we have running our country. Let's see, it goes on. Fisher, in 2012, helped bring together a group of more than 200 conservatives from across the country to unite around Rick Santorum's candidacy, who is a failed candidate and always has been a failed candidate an event in houston he put together raised 1.8 million dollars in one day and erickson who has sparred publicly with trump for months online and on his radio show has said has previously has previously said i will not be voting for donald trump at all ever okay that's pretty definitive other gop donors who are interested in exploring the possibility of challenging trump recently commissioned a study on the feasibility of launching a last minute independent bid Trump dominates the GOP delegate count with nearly half of the states already voting in the Republican, Republican presidential primary, according to Politico's calculations. He would need to amass slightly more than 50% of the remaining delegates, delegates to secure the nomination outright. Now, there's a bit of audio uh, that I would like Frank to play right now, and, the Trump, and it's a, like a response from Trump to this whole thing. Go ahead, Frank. I think you would have problems like you've never seen before. Donald Trump warning his supporters could riot if he's denied the Republican nomination in a live interview on New Day Wednesday. We're way ahead of everybody. I don't think you can say that we don't get it automatically. I think it would be, I think you'd have riots. The GOP facing the very real possibility of a contested convention if no candidate meets the delegate threshold for the nomination. That would be an absolute disaster. I think the people would quite rightly revolt. Former presidential candidate Ben Carson, who has endorsed Trump, reiterating that sentiment. There's no question that there would be a lot of turmoil uh, if the establishment tries to thwart the will of the people. But party leaders are downplaying that possibility. All of these stories are going to continue, and everyone's going to have opinions, and they're going to get people stirred up. But those delegates will vote on the first ballot as they are bound to vote under the law. And dismissing Trump's warning if his supporters are ignored. I assume he's speaking figuratively. I think if we go into a convention, whoever gets 1,237 delegates becomes the nominee. It's plain and simple. With the Republican field winnowing, Trump now attempting to look more like a general election candidate, dropping his first attack ad aimed at the Democratic frontrunner, Hillary Clinton, painting her as too weak to go up against opponents of the U.S. <laughs> Trump foreshadowing his plans to go after Secretary Clinton earlier this month during Fox's last GOP debate. I have not started on Hillary yet. Believe me, I will start too. This week, he's pledging to skip their next debate, forcing Fox 
to pull the plug. How many times can the same people ask you the same question? I won't be there, no. Okay, well, there you go. That's pretty good response from Donald Trump, I'd have to say, especially his, uh, his last two points, that he's going to get to Hillary soon, and that, you know, how many times can these people ask you the same questions? I thought that was very good. Now, the attack ad that he came out with, you, you, heard, you heard it kind of referenced in, in the, towards the end of the uh, audio clip. You could kind of hear it in the background. I posted a link to it just now in the chat room. Uh, it's, kind, it's funny. I don't get it really myself, uh, whatever, but I did post it in the chat room for you. Uh, well, that's just the first thing I wanted to cover about Trump. Now, here's something else to kind of couple it up, because, again, guys, I find it really amazing what they're trying to do here. Uh, so here's a link. This is something that Clint, thank you, Clint, again, uh, from, the chat, uh, from the chat room sent me. This is from CNBC, and I will couple this, guys, with, with a blog post from Aladask. He's a host on this network and a, and a, and a pretty, uh, pretty intelligent guy. So I'm going to post that before I start talking about this in the chat room. Uh, there we go. Hold on. That's from Aladask's blog. And I'm just going to couple that. Let me start off. And the headline is, we choose the nominee, not the voters, Senior Geo, uh, said a senior GOP official. And let's go here. Let's start off. Political parties, not voters, choose their presidential nominees. A Republican convention rules member told CNBC, a day after GOP frontrunner front runner Donald Trump rolled up more big primary victories. Here's a quote from him. The media has created the perception that the voters choose the nomination. That's the conflict here. Curly Hagelin, an unbound GOP delegate from North Dakota, told CNBC's Squawk Box on Wednesday. He even questioned why primaries and caucuses are held. Wow. I mean, really? <laughs> Do I have to go on? Well, I will. <laughs> wow. Somebody needs to find this guy. Let's see. It goes on. Hagelin is one of 112 Republican delegates who are not required to cast their support for any one candidate because their state's and territory and territories don't hold primaries or caucuses. Hmm. Let me repeat that. Hagelin is one of 112 delegates who are not required to cast their support for any one candidate because their states and territories don't hold primaries or caucuses. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. It goes on. Even with Trump's huge projected delegate hall in four state primaries Tuesday, the odds are increasing. The, uh, increasingly, the billionaire businessman may not ultimately get the 1,237 delegates needed to claim the GOP nomination before the convention. This could lead to a brokered convention in which unbound delegates like Hagelin could play a significant swing role on the first ballot to choose a nominee. Most delegates bound by their state's primaries or caucus results are only committed on the first ballot. Excuse me. If, sub if subsequent ballots are needed, Virtually all of the delegates can vote any way they want, said Gary. What's his name here? E Emanith? Something like that. Another unbound delegate from, uh, from North Dakota. It could introduce Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, or it could be the other candidates that have already been in the race and are now out of the race, such as Mike Huckabee or Rick Santorum. All of those people could eventually become candidates on the floor, this person said. Well, it goes on. House Speaker Paul Ryan, who decided not to run for the White House this year, said in a CNBC interview Tuesday he won't categorically rule out accepting the GOP nomination if a deadlock convention were to turn 
to him. But on Wednesday, a Ryan spokeswoman said the speaker would not accept a Republican nomination for president at a divided convention. That's pretty smart of him. So at least he said that. Democrats experienced the last true brokered presidential convention to go beyond the first ballot in 1952. Republicans came close at their 1976 convention. The rules haven't the rules haven't kept up, Hagelin said. The rules are still designed to have a political party choose its nominee at the convention. That's just the way it is. I can't help it. Don't hate me because I love the rules. This guy needs beat up, okay? He needs beat up. This guy is a punk, and there's something wrong with him. He doesn't belong in this country if he thinks this is how things are. And I talked about, I talked about David Duke running for president back in 19, 1992, and I posted in the chat room yesterday a debate, you know, that he was that he had with, lo and behold, Scott Walker about them keeping him off the, you know, the ballot even, just keeping him off the ballot in Wisconsin back in 1992, and the hubris, if that is the right term, that these people have, like this guy and like uh, Scott Walker has during this debate that you can watch. It's about, you know, it's like from a TV show. It's about 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. It's very short, but it's just very. You know, these people are out of their minds with the, with the power that they, that they think they have. And at the end of the day, guys, that's really all it is. They don't really have power. They only have the power that we allow them to have. And we've allowed them to run amok for so long that guys like this think, hey, man, it ain't about you. It's the Republican Party. We don't care about the country. We care about our party. Just the Republican Party. However many people that entails or what that encapsulates, that's it. Not the American people. And then let the chips fall where they may. That's how he believes. Well, I believe it to be the other way around. That the American people pick their nominee and pick their candidate and then their president. And then let the chips fall where they may. It's up to us to do this, not up to this guy. Now, I don't call for violence much, but I am calling for violence against this guy. Right here. Live on the radio, this guy needs beat up. I'm not saying go shoot him or, or kill him, but he needs beat up. And if that's, and if that's offensive, well, it, it, it's meant to be, and it, it's meant to be offensive. The guy needs beat up, and he disgusts me, whoever this guy is. Uh, let's see here. I'll continue on from where I left off. Hagelin sent a letter to each uh, campaign alerting them to a rule change he's he's proposing, which would allow any candidate who earns at least one delegate during the nominating process to submit his or her name to be nominated at this summer's convention. Do, do you believe this? This guy? Do you, do you believe this guy? So he's going to write his own rule that if you just got one vote. So what if it was Mickey Mouse? Right? Oh, my God. It goes on. If the GOP race continues at the same pace, Trump would likely have a plurality of delegates. So far, he's more than halfway to the 1237 magic number. Trump split Tuesday's winner-take-all primaries in Florida and Ohio. Yeah, but you know what? Kasich is, un- is insignificant. It's, it's just insignificant person. That's all there is to it. Now, it's unfortunate that it, c- it came from Ohio, one of the winner-take-all states. I know. But it's insignificant. And if anybody in their right mind thinks that he's a serious candidate and, and has any kind of support, other than a little bit, and he's not that popular in his own state. In spite of what some have said, he is not that popular in his own state. He has been a flip-flopper his whole career. Let me see here. Where do we go on? I have just enough time before the break. Now, let's see. Uh, Yeah. 
The real estate mogul dominated in, in Florida over Senator Marco Rubio, who dropped out of the race after losing in his home state. But Trump lost Ohio to the state's governor, John Kasich. Trump also won Illinois and North Carolina. He held a slim lead over Texas Senator Ted Cruz of Missouri early Wednesday. Emanith, who also also a former chairman of the North Dakota Republican primary, told Squawk Box in the same interview that he's concerned about party officials putting pulling some shenanigans. He's concerned about them pulling some shenanigans? Are you kidding me? This has all been front and center, guys. Like I said, I'm reading these articles from mainstream news sources. CNBC, Politico, CNN, USA Today. It's out there, man. They are conspiring. Openly conspiring. That's how desperate. This shows how desperate they are. And I was impressed with the audio clip that Frank played. Again, I've been waiting for Trump to say something else. And he came out and said a couple of really poignant things towards the end of that audio clip. That was very good. Trump means business, and these guys don't like it. Again, these globalists, these establishments don't like it. Now Trump has to impress further at this APEC summit, I think that's what they call it, that he's going to. He's going to have to tell those Jew you-know-what where and what is going to happen. And they're at that APEC and those people are not going to run this government. They're not going to usurp the will of the American people to prop up a terrorist regime and a terrorist state, which is Israel. You want to talk about a terrorist state? Well, the United States is one. We're the biggest one. Not Syria, not Iraq or Afghanistan. The United States is the, at the top. Israel is just below that for, as far as terrorist states go. And that's what he needs to tell them. He needs to stick his finger in their eye. That's what he needs to do. Now, whether or not he's going to do that, I don't know. And whether or not that's even the right thing to do, at least in the, you know, the, the, the words that I just put forth. He may need to get like a speechwriter to do it a little bit more subtly or whatever. Uh, let's see, I can continue on with this because it's a very good article. There's not much left. Uh, it goes on. You have groups of people who are going to try and take over the rules committee, he warned. That could totally change everything and mess things up with the delegates. And people across the country will be very frustrated. Well, you think? Do you think? It's important that the Republican National Committee has transparency on what they're doing, on the rules, going into the convention, and what happens in the convention, he continued. That's because of all the votes that have been cast in caucuses and primaries. Don't disenfranchise those voters, because at the end of the day, our goal is to beat Hillary Clinton or whoever their Democratic nominee is in November. Well, apparently it's not our goal or the goal. Well, it's not the goal of the Republican Party to beat Hillary Clinton. How many, how many times over the last month, or just recently the last week or two weeks, that a prominent Republican, whether it was a politician or a bureaucrat or some crony, has come out and said that if Trump's nominated, they'll vote for Hillary Clinton? How many? Numerous times. So apparently that's not the goal of the Republican Party, to defeat Hillary Clinton. Because many prominent members of the so-called Republican Party have already said that they will vote for Hillary Clinton instead. So what does that tell you? I don't know what it tells me, because that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. And, you know, that's not even being a crybaby. That's not even being a sour grape sore loser. That's being a freaking out of your mind, insane, you're a lunatic, and there's something wrong with you, and you need to be committed to a mental hospital. That's what that tells me, that if you want Hillary Clinton in there, just because Donald Trump gets a nomination, you need to go have your head freaking examined. All right, 
thanks, Clint, for sending that to me, even though it did upset me quite a bit there. That was a very good find. And, I, you know, I talked about that yesterday, guys. I mean, if there's something you want me to cover just to provide some additional commentary on or something like that, man, I, I love it because uh, I can't find everything. So I, thanks, Clint. Thank you for, for sending that to me. Uh, let's see. I went over that one. Hold on. Let me see uh, if I had anything else. I, you know, I don't have anything else on Trump. So there you go. And I won't really get into after the break, because it is St. Patrick's Day, I'm going to just, I'm going to lighten up the mood. So uh, the music, I'll just get into the music a little bit before uh, today's, you know, before the break, uh, because one of the songs is kind of quite long and there's, there's a bit of contention, not hostile contention about the music being played on, on, oh, well, let's just say my show. I won't say anybody else's show. And if you've noticed recently, I've been fading some songs down because this isn't a, a rock station or an FM station and, and maybe playing a, a long five minute song or something like that it might seem like a, a bit of waste of airtime or something like that. But sometimes, at least for me, I, I believe it to be, uh, you know, just a, a kind of a pleasant distraction. Well, today is, is going to be one of those occasions where I, I don't want to fade the songs down guys. And one of them is somewhat long. It might be six minutes or so. It's from a, an obscure, you'll never find them, uh, Irish folk singer. And then the second one is from a more mainstream uh, Irish folk singer. He's actually from Scotland. So I don't know how that works out, but it's a good song. And so I just kind of want you to enjoy the music today because it is St. Patrick's Day. And then after the break, uh, you know, I got a couple of, I just got a couple of uh, two or three, you know, interesting one kind of somewhat serious, and I might not even get to that one, guys, because uh, I do want to kind of keep it light. Hey, it's St. Patrick's Day, and I, and I don't know if you guys have anything planned. I don't, you know, I, even though it is I'm off tonight, I don't go back to work till tomorrow. Uh, I, I don't go out. I, I, I don't go to bars, and, and, you know, I drink a few beers occasionally, but I just, you know, I just kind of stay here at home. Uh, I don't go out and, and get involved, and in, 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 now maybe that doesn't make me a true Irishman that I'm not going to go down to, you know, O'Casey's pub and tavern and, and get, you know, schnookered and, and, you know, wear a bunch of green stuff. I, I, I've, I've done that. Oh, years ago. And, and actually I have time. This guy, you're going to hear Sean McGlory, uh, that years ago, that's all oh, it's gotta be 10 years ago. I was back in Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. I was back there visiting my brother and it was St. Patrick's day. And, and we went to a Irish bar in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, which is, it's like Pittsburgh. And I can't remember the name of the bar. Uh, but it is an Irish name, Flynn's or O'Casey's or O'Callaghan's or something like that. And I got to tell you, I had the time of my life. I mean, it was standing room only packed and it was just, it was just a great time. So I have done that and you know, I'm not opposed to it. So I, I, you know, what I'm saying is if you guys have something planned, Hey man, I hope you have a great time, stay safe and all that obviously. But uh, yeah, go out, man. The Irish, uh, they put on a, they can put on a pretty good shindig and you know, it, it's, it, it's obviously uh, all about the drinking, I guess on St. Patrick's day. Uh but there's a lot of other good things that, that, that you can do as well, like good meals. There's corned beef and cabbage, and there's all kinds of stuff. And, and I, I can smell it now. they got the crock pot uh, going. The wife has some corned beef and cabbage and, and the crock pot that we'll be munching on all day. And, you know, and, and, and so some, some bratwurst and some, some sauerkraut. Now, that's not necessarily Irish, but it kind of is, at least for, for this household. So anyway, we're about to come up to the music. I didn't want to get into anything, uh, you know, before the break. Uh, cause these are going to be a couple of long songs. And then again, we'll talk about, uh, 
wind it up a bit in the uh, second part of the, the show, guys. So I uh, don't really have anything else to cover. I'm just basically waiting for the music. So there it is, guys. Enjoy the songs, and I'll see you after the break.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Summer 
Critical show. It is St. Patrick's Day, the 17th day of March, 2016, 44 minutes past the hour. Thank you for staying tuned in. A couple of long songs there, and I apologize for any inconvenience because of that. I uh, will make sure uh, I try and minimize that, but it is St. Patrick's Day. So, anyway, uh, visit my website, conditioncriticalshow.com. I posted the link early in the chat room, and most of you guys, you know, you know how to find that, so I won't uh, continue on with any of that. I'll just, uh, into some more lighter stuff. Uh, it's, it's St. Patrick's Day, so I just kind of just a couple of fun things here. I just you know last night looked up uh, you know a couple of links, like just brief history of St. Patrick's Day, and I, I found this one. So let me just start off, and this is just St. Patrick's Day history and traditions, and these are just kind of mainstream. So just kind of bear with them. It starts off. This holiday is celebrated every year on March 17th, honoring the Irish patron saint St. Patrick. The celebrations are largely Irish culture themed and typically consists of wearing green parades and drinking. And I find a little bit that's kind of not, you know, you know, the, 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 the way they categorize that wearing green parades and drinking, I think they have that out of order. I think drinking should be first, second, and maybe third, and maybe fourth, fifth, and sixth. 
and then wearing green and parades and, and all that. I think they got that wrong. But anyway, some churches may hold religious services, and many schools and offices close in Suffolk County, the area containing Boston and its suburbs. <clears throat> in Massachusetts, that is. People all over the world celebrate St. Patrick's Day, especially places with huge or large Irish-American communities. Feasting on the day features traditional Irish food, including corned beef, corned cabbage, coffee, soda bread, potatoes, and shepherd's pie. Mm, I make the best shepherd's pie, by the way, hands down. Many celebrations also hold an Irish breakfast of sausage, black and white pudding, fried eggs, and fried tomatoes. Common traditions include parades. This event is most often associated with the holiday. Cities that hold large parades include Boston, New York, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Savannah, Georgia, and they do, and uh, other cities worldwide. I know about Savannah because that's where First Ranger Battalion is, and they, they used to have it was a big, huge deal. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, people wouldn't think that, but it, it is true. Savannah's not that big of a, a city. And then drinking. Some, uh, since many Catholics are Irish Americans, some may be required to fast from drinking during Lent. However, they are allowed to break this fast during the St. Patrick's Day celebration. This is one cause for the day's association uh, with drinking heavily. Uh, dyeing water or beer green. Chicago does it, uh, dyes its river green for the festivities, and many bars serve green dyed beer. The White House Fountain is also dyed green. I haven't heard that it was this year. Uh, I wonder if Obama, I wonder if Obama being a half a black guy uh, allows that to happen. I mean, they did fly the rainbow flag for the homos, so, I mean, it's only fitting, right? It goes on another tradition, other in, uh, corporations of green. In Seattle, the parade routes are painted in green. I don't go to up to Seattle other than for my work. It's just too hectic up there, so I don't go to that. I don't go to parades. I'm not big into parades. Observers are supposed to wear green or else risk being pinched. Hmm. Uh, parade floats and decorations will feature the color green. Religious services. Those who celebrate the holiday in religious context may also hold a feast. Outside of this context, overindulgences tend to be, revolve around drinking. Pea planting. In the Northeast, many celebrate by planting peas. This is largely due to the color and time of the year, prime pea planting conditions. It goes on now. Uh, St. Patrick, the missionary and bishop of Ireland. And this is going to be just a little bit of history on St. Patrick. St. Patrick, or the apostle of Ireland, actually started out in the pagan religion. While not much is known about his early life, as many of his life's details were lost to folklore. Letters from St. Patrick reveal that he was captured in Wales, Scotland, or another area close, or another close area outside of Ireland, and taken to Ireland as a slave. Years later, he escaped and returned to his family, who were Romans living in Britain. Going back to Ireland for mission work, after finding a place as a cleric and then bishop within the Catholic, uh, Christian faith, he was born around 460, and by the 600s, he was already known as the patron saint of Ireland. It goes on, there are many legends associated with St. Patrick. The symbol of shamrock used for St. Patrick's Day comes from the story of St. Patrick using the shamrock to illustrate the Holy Trinity. The three-leafed plant coincided with the pagan religion's sanctity of the number three and is the root of the color of the green color theme. Okay, it's interesting, I didn't know that. It goes on, there are many... Uh, legends associated with St. Patrick. The symbol of the shamrock used for St. Patrick's Day comes from the story. Uh, I already said that. Sorry about that. Another popular belief is that St. Patrick banished the snakes from Ireland, and I've heard this. The story says that while St. Patrick was fasting, snakes attacked him, so he chased all snakes into the ocean. However, 
there have never been snakes in Ireland during the post-glacial period. The absence of snakes and symbolism involved with snakes is believed to explain the story, although it could have been referring to the type of worm rather than snakes. One legend has St. Patrick sticking a walking stick into the ground while evangel- evangelizing, evangelizing, which turned into a tree. And it goes on, the history of St. Patrick's Day and why it's celebrated. St. Patrick's Day was first celebrated in America in 1737, organized by the Charitable Irish Society of Boston, including a feast and religious service. The first celebration of the holiday in the colonies was largely to honor and celebrate the Irish culture and so many colonists that had been separated from. Uh, Early celebrations continued this modest tradition. In New York, the first celebration took place as a small gathering at the home of an Irish Protestant. St. Patrick's Day Parade started in New York in 1762 by a group of Irish soldiers in the British military who marched down Broadway. This began the tradition of a military theme in the parade, as they often feature military, marching military units. Uh, The holiday eventually evolved from the modest religious dinner into the raucous holiday that we know today. And then it it ends with worldwide St. Patrick's Day uh, parades and celebrations. Parades and wearing green have always been a tradition of St. Patrick's Day celebrations, but the events will vary based on the city. Boston, St. Patrick's Day celebrations in Boston bring over 600,000 visitors to the city, which has a large Irish-American community. The city has one of the largest parades, which many veterans take part in. Uh, and events are held in the large number of Irish pubs in the city. The Irish Cultural Center holds a celebration, and many events feature Irish food, such as corned beef. New York. New York City is the place of the oldest civilian parade, which boasts over 150,000 participants. This may include veterans, along with firefighters, policemen, and cultural clubs. It is led, it, it is led New York's 69th, it is led by New York's 69th Infantry Regiment. Another city, another city in New York State, Pearl River, has the second largest parade in the state with crowds of over 100,000. In Buffalo, there are two St. Patrick's Day parades. And then Scranton, Pennsylvania. This Pennsylvania city, city's parade is one of the oldest and largest. Since 1862, this parade has been one of the most popular, with current celebrations attracting about 150,000 participants. Chicago. The Irish community makes up a large part of Chicago's celebration. Chicago dies the Chicago River Green and holds the Southside Parade, which has actually had to be scaled back in recent years due to the celebration growing too large for the Irish groups that hold the parade. New Orleans. This coastal city was the largest point of immigration for the Irish. St. Patrick's Day celebrations are typically held at the community or neighborhood level, and then Ireland. This celebration is more religious in nature and is considered a religious feast day. While it made an official holiday, while it was made an official holiday in 1903, the first St. Patrick's Day festival was held in 1996. During these uh, more recent years, they eat. Sometimes they don't write this stuff very good, and has it become uh, one of the most cultural and uh, consists of many celebrations in the streets? Plus, it's, the text is very small. So there you go. Just a kind of a brief history. There was one more here. This one's a little bit more benign, like some fun facts and stuff. I went over some of the history. Here's some fun facts. The shamrock. And I already, okay, that, you already get that in corned beef and cabbage. This one's kind of similar. I'm trying to look for something just a bit different here. Uh, and I don't really say anything. Uh, no, this one's kind of small. Not a lot of information here. Okay. Well, now 
you know, speaking of, you know, St. Patrick's Day and it involves the Irish and so forth, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a guide to the Irish Republican Army because, um, you know, the Irish Republican Army, uh, they, did, they did in fact take their country back briefly, you know, and they, they had, you know, good intentions and all that. And I know there's a lot of controversy out there about the, the uh, infiltration of Marxists and communists within the uh, Irish Republican Army. And actually the Irish Republican Army, the, the, there's about four branches of the Irish Republican Army. There's, there's the official IRA, and I'm reading from you know, just a brief history of the IRA here. And then there's the provisional IRA. Then there's the real IRA. And then there's another organization which calls themselves Continuity IRA. And it's just, and they don't really give a whole bunch of descriptions as, as to those four factions. Uh, it just starts off the Irish Republican Army, which traces its roots to uh, Catholic Irish nationalism in the early 1900s, was considered by many to be a terrorist organization because of certain tactics like bombings and assassinations it used to oppose British rule in Ireland. Um, well, if, if, if what is it, what, what's it say here? If bombings and assassination uh, describe or define a terrorist group, what does, again, like I talked about in the first part of my show, how, what does that make Israel and the United States? Don't, don't we, our federal government, don't, isn't that what they go around doing, bombing and assassinating people? So, I mean, I don't know if they understand what they're implying here about what a terrorist is. And if they want to call the Irish Republican Army terrorists, I guess that's fine. But then we, let's make sure we call a spade a spade, okay? Now, oh, let's see. The association of the, of the IRA with terrorism comes from the paramilitary activities of the provincial IRA, which is no longer active. And the provincial IRA was founded in 1969 when the IRA split into the official IRA, which renounced violence, and the provisional IRA. And the, the home base, which was in, the, this is for the provisional IRA, I'm assuming, it was Northern Ireland with the presence of operations throughout Ireland, Ireland Great Britain, and Europe. This is interesting, backing and affiliations from the, uh, from the 1970s to the 1990s, the IRA received weapons and training from various international sources, most notably American sympathizers, Libya, and the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization. Connections have also been poised between the IRA and Marxist-leaning terrorist groups, especially at their most active in the 1970s. These include, let's see here, uh, objectives, uh, the creation of a unified, it doesn't say what they include, it just goes on to objectives, and the, objective, and the, the only objective apparently here is the creation of a unified Ireland under Irish rather than a British rule. And that's pretty obvious. So that's just a kind of a brief history. I'll just post it in the chat room. You guys might find it kind of interesting here. Uh, let me pull it up. There we go. And I haven't been paying attention in the chat room because I've been reading from some things. So boom, there we go. Well, okay, guys, don't really have much else to cover. I hope that uh, what I did cover today was entertaining and thought-provoking. Go out and make a difference, guys. That's really going to be the, the theme closing out my show here for today and this week. Go out and make a difference. Pay attention and then go out and make a difference and let these people know that we're just not going to, you know, in the infamous words of Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. We're just, and we shouldn't take it. We shouldn't take what they're trying to, to do to us any longer. We need to put a stop to these maniacs. Because they are the maniacs. You know, they want to talk about domestic terrorism. And again, I don't want to beat a dead horse about, you know, the, the United States government and, and, and all that being terrorists. But, but, you know, if you want to boil that down, you know, the Department of Homeland Security and, well, certainly the Department of Homeland Security and, and then the FBI, they should be looking at federal officials as being the ultimate domestic terrorists. 
Look what they do. Look what they do. Look how they just send SWAT teams on to people and, and murder people. They just did it recently with Lloyd Finnicum, and it's just and that's kind of gone by the wayside. You know, he died, not a martyr. He was murdered. There's a difference. Uh, so go out and make a difference, guys. That's the only way we're going to take this country back is if we go out there and make a difference. And, and it looks like there's a bit of a groundswell here of momentum where people are getting fed up, and we're shutting down the other side, it does appear. You know, the We Hate White People movement that's out there, and they riot in the streets every day. They're just uh, they're an insignificant uh, demographic, and I said that yesterday, and I'll continue to say it. The, the real grassroots pe- uh, uh, you know, people in this country, the people that get things done and, and, and work and pay the taxes and, and, and suffer the consequences of, of, you know, of tyranny, we're the ones that pay the price, and we're the ones that can get things done, not people that want stuff for free. Nobody that wants something for free is going to get anything done. These people that go around supporting Bernie Sanders, these idiots that support Hillary Clinton, they don't get anything done. They just want something. That's all they, that's all they want. So there is a clear difference between people that want to get something done and people that just want something for free. I know that I don't want anything for free, and I know you guys don't either. Okay, guys, uh, you can contact me, call me, or text me. My number, cell phone number is 253-973-2995. You can contact me via my website, conditioncriticalshow.com. You can also call into the show. I know it's at the end of the show, but feel free to call in uh, anytime. But you'll have to wait till next Wednesday, guys, uh, to do that. I hear the music. My time is up this week, guys. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you all for listening. And remember, freedom comes from the sword. See you next week. needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Welcome to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, March 14th, 2016. So I've been giving you some info about organic sulfur, also known as MSM, and so I'm going to continue on with that tonight, and I have my booklet here from, it's called the MSM Miracle, Enhance Your Health with Organic Sulfur, by Earl L. Mendel, PhD, he's also a registered pharmacist, which I don't agree with that, as you know. But anyway, I, I think it's a good book, you know. It's got some good information. It doesn't cover everything about organic sulfur or MSM. Um, you know, it's to me, he's more of a mainstream health guy, you know. So I don't think he, he tells you nearly as much as, you know, all the wonderful things that MSM and organic sulfur do. But, you know, it's still a good it's like a good starting point, I think. So, um, this little booklet, like I told you, it only costs three ninety five on the cover price, and I got it for ninety nine cents. So, you might be able to do the same. Um, I got mine at a thrift store. So, all right. So I'm gonna go ahead and continue on where I left off last time. Okay, so this is going to be about allergies. So if you are an allergy sufferer, you've got a lot of company. Over 40 million people are affected by allergies, and I'm sure it's even more now because, you know, when the book came out, it's been a while, so there are even more people now affected by allergies. So these people are affected with reactions ranging from somewhat bothersome to potentially fatal. That's why it's so important to learn as much as you can about prevention and treatment and why you'll be excited to learn about the role of MSM in helping bring relief to your suffering. And of course, always check with your licensed medical practitioner and do the research, you know, to make sure this is something that you want to try, etc. So an allergic response occurs when the body's immune system, ever ready to do battle with viruses and bacteria, goes a little haywire and reacts to otherwise harmless substances we call allergens your body will produce antibodies to fight the allergens. The antibodies then attach themselves to special cells in the respiratory and gastrointestinal tracts where they eventually explode, releasing chemicals including histamine, a powerful compound that actually causes allergic symptoms. Once our immune system decides that a particular type of pollen is a hostile invader, it becomes sensitized to it and can react with allergy symptoms for years and perhaps a lifetime. Allergy drugs only suppress symptoms rather than treating the cause of the allergy 
and often result in unpleasant side effects. Antihistamines, for example, such as chlorotrimeton and Benadryl, suppress histamines but also cause drowsiness. Near non-sedating antihistamines, such as Hismanal and Allegra, also function to suppress histamines, but they have a long list of other possible side effects, just like all drugs, all over-the-counter and big pharma drugs do, including potentially fatal abnormal heart rhythms. And any over-the-counter drug or big pharma prescription drug can kill you or your animals that you give them to, just so you know. Pollen, dust, mold, or animal dander in the air gets in your face and results in sneezing, runny nose, tearing eyes, sore throat, ear infection, stomach cramps, itchy skin or hives, headaches, urinary frequency, stuffiness, fatigue, diarrhea, and possibly asthma. A chronic and sometimes life-threatening respiratory problem that is close kin to allergy. And from what I've read, um, it's also if somebody has asthma, it's a great indication that they are deficient in vitamin C and they need more of it. And uh, I personally know somebody that Frank and I talked talk to about vitamin C. He had allergies and he had them his whole life and he had already been taking vitamin C but he after talking to us about it many times of course you know we talked to him about it um, because we were trying to help him and stuff but um, he took it he upped his dosage and his allergies have totally gone away so he's a manager at a restaurant here locally and you know he pretty much mentions it every time he sees us and you know we're friends with him and stuff when we go there we talk to him and he has gone on to tell a lot of people how much it helped him so um you know i do think that in my opinion um that's just something i would try personally but you know i don't have allergies but if i did um from everything i've read you know it all depends but it could it could help greatly so anyway ask your doctor check it you know out for yourself and do the research and all that stuff so um, allergy symptoms are simply your body's reaction to something foreign in your system symptoms are actually caused by a specific antibody called immunoglobulin E or IgE a protein molecule that the body produces to fight off foreign substances. When there is sufficient MSM in your system, your cells become more permeable, enabling your body to quickly flush out any undesirable foreign particles. If your body is sulfur deficient, and most people are sulfur deficient, they don't, you know, get enough sulfur in their diet, etc., and most people aren't supplementing with organic sulfur with MSM etc so they're sulfur deficient and so if your body is sulfur deficient the cell walls become hard and stiff hindering the flow of fluid through the cell walls MSM softens the cell walls allowing allergens foreign proteins 
want any free radicals to be moved out of your system. The tendency to develop allergies may be inherited, but almost every time, oh, I'll skip, sorry, almost every human has the potential to be allergic to something. So it's just that we all have different thresholds to allergens. Allergy shots don't get rid of the allergy. They simply raise the threshold so we can tolerate more of whatever is bugging us before any symptoms show up. Moreover, the threshold level of individuals will vary depending on age, stress, viral illness, overexertion, exposure to chemicals, and even weather conditions. In the case of hay fever, for example, the allergy may be year-round, seasonal, or random, meaning episodic, episodic, whatever. Okay, now we'll talk about environmental allergens. There are medical allergies, food allergies, and skin allergies. But arguably the most vexing are the sneaky airborne particles that gravitate towards your nose. I'm talking about such common everyday things as pollen, grasses, mold spores, mildew, dander from furry or feathered creatures, smoke, exhaust, perfume, aerosol sprays, pesticides, cosmetic products, cleaning solvents, mothballs, paints and varnishes, glues and adhesives, dyes, wood-burning fireplaces, and new carpet syndrome. Our reaction to the formaldehyde, which causes cancer, by the way, found in carpets and old insulation. So those of you out there, this is not from the book, it's just from my mind uh, talking here. So those of you out there that are sleeping on, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but it's escaping my mind right now, but um, it's those beds that are made out of foam, and they advertise that the astronauts use them or something, you know, NASA endorses them or something, um, and they're the ones that are, you can put your hand down and it will leave your handprint in the foam, you know, so they're, they're really kind of expensive, you know, and it was all the rage and, and they still are pretty much. Um, I used to want one of those kinds of mattresses, so I, you know, I thank goodness I did not get one because since then, you know, this was years ago when I wanted one, but I have learned Tempur-Pedic, that's it, that's it. Now there may be other brands, but I know that's a very popular one, the Tempur-Pedic type of foam mattresses where you can put your hand down and it will leave your handprint, etc. They make them for pets, for pet beds. They make them and put them in slippers that people wear or shoes that people wear. They put them in pillows, you know. They make pillows out of them. And people think they're so cool and comfy and all this stuff. But they cause cancer, I'm telling you right now. Another thing that causes cancer from sleeping on it, etc., are those air mattresses. They're made out of polyvinyl chloride, PVC, and that's another carcinogen, cancer-causing agent. So that's something else that, you know, I wouldn't recommend getting that or sleeping on that and definitely not doing it on a daily, nightly, whatever basis. 
um, you know, I guess if you're going to do it very occasionally or something, um, but it's not good. And so another thing, any kind of foam, a lot of times, you know, these are made out of petrochemicals and they contain formaldehyde and they cause cancer. So pretty much all these things that are, have foam cause cancer. And another thing is that spray foam, okay, that people put in as insulation in their homes, etc., buildings and offices and all that. Um, that spray foam is another carcinogen, cancer-causing agent, so be well aware of that. Um, there's a lot of other things, but I'm just, just thinking of this because they mentioned formaldehyde found in carpets and old insulation. So these are all very bad things. Um, so another thing I wanted to tell you that I've learned is that those sleep number beds, um, I read that somebody had a lot of problems and health-wise and um, they ended up finally one day I think taking apart their sleep number bed and they found a ton of like mold and mildew inside I believe that sleep number bed so I'm just letting you know these things um, another thing is like soda machines and things like that drink dispensers at restaurants and ice machines um, they can have mold and mildew in, in the tubing and things like that and in the internal parts where your drink you know is going through and they should be cleaning those out to get the mold and mildew out of them you know but most of the time they're not doing that so that's something that's not healthy either in addition to how bad soft drinks and things like that are for us um, and then ice machines the same thing you know they can cause have a buildup of mold and mildew and things like that and that can contaminate the ice in those so just letting you know these things um so things like apple cider vinegar baking soda um, coconut oil they're all antifungal so these would be good things to you know at least try to counteract those things and you know mold from what I've read can be killed like 90% of it or so or maybe more can be killed by applying vinegar so I'm not saying if you have mold you know that might be the only thing you need to do like in your wall or your ceiling or something like that you, you know it can be very very bad for you it can be deadly um, that black mold that's been found in the the drywall and stuff like that coming from China you know it can be very deadly it can cause all kinds of breathing problems and probably cause cancer and all kinds of health problems autoimmune you know that's what the doctors will say syndromes and stuff like that asthma um, allergies and, and just breathing problems etc you know I would personally you know probably of course you can call in a professional and all that but just saying um, I, you know if it's not very bad you might be able to treat it with some really you know good strong distilled vinegar just regular old clear which they call white vinegar distilled vinegar and I know they have even stronger kinds that they call cleaning vinegar 
and it has like one more percentage of acidity like it's something like I don't know 5% acidity instead of 4% or something so you can get that like at just regular stores usually or grocery stores Walmart etc in the vinegar section you can look for that um, Anyway, it's antifungal, anti-mildew, anti-mold, and all these different things. Um, it's it's just good to use. And I don't agree with you know people out there that say apple cider vinegar is just some old wives' tale or something, and that it's not going to help you because I mean I think that's just somebody that hasn't used it, isn't familiar with it and maybe they use other things instead and they just don't you know they think it's a bunch of hoopla or something but from all the research I've done and and Frank and I have used it and it does a myriad of things it's wonderful so I don't agree with those people that think that it's not okay everybody has their own opinion so we all need to just you know do the research and check with your doctor and then if you decide to try it out maybe you'll see what a good thing it is the apple cider vinegar is like the Bragg or other brands like Solana Gold for instance the organic raw apple cider vinegar with the mother and I always say you know get it in a glass bottle instead of the plastic bottle which they do have in the plastic if it's like a gallon size so um, yeah, for health purposes and for ingestion purposes and things like that, mixing it with water to dilute it and then drinking it, um, I would stick to the glass bottle because it's very, you know, acidic in the bottle and you don't want any of the plastic chemicals and whatever it's made out of, those plastics are made out of, like a lot of times petrochemicals, you don't want to be you know, um, you don't want those breaking down from the acidity of the vinegar. So get it in the glass bottle. So we'll be back talking more about organic sulfur and other health matters on the other side. Don't go anywhere.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, March 14th, 2016. And during the break, someone came into the chat room, a listener, and they said that they asked the question, why is my show, Melissa Roxanne's show, New World Order Info, only on from you know, the first hour on satellite, KU band satellite. So uh, I wasn't aware that that was the case, but Frank uh, did say after the person did leave the chat room, he answered and said, because Pastor Ernie Sanders is on the satellite from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And Frank said that his show, meaning Frank's show, The Frank Report, is also not on satellite at 8 p.m. So um, I said that I would announce that. And also, if you want to hear the full two-hour show of my show, it does repeat for the full two hours, as far as I know, on satellite um, on Friday. Pacific time, it would be 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you want to record the show, like the person said they do, um, and then share it with others, 
then that would be a good time to do that. You just won't hear it live, but what you could do is hear it live, you know, for the first hour on Mondays, and then hear the entire show on Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m., and then there's a fantastic show that airs after my show, which is Survival Time with the host Richard McGregor. He's no longer alive, but he left us his show, you know, that we still do play, and we play the ones we have, and it's a great help to many people, and some people listen to it every single week, so... You know, it's not going to be live shows, but it's still great information about survival and preparedness, um, ammunition and guns, and just everything you can do to be prepared on a daily basis and in the days to come when everything hits the fan, etc. So, I highly recommend listening to that show after my show repeats on Fridays. So, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Time, my show repeats on Fridays, and then his show, Survival Time, airs two hours after my show from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time on Pacific Time on Fridays. And another thing is we have the phone bridge where people can listen on the phone if, if you want to do that, and that way you could hear the entire show. I don't know that you could record it unless you, you found a way to do that, but... You can uh, do that by calling our phone bridge, and as far as I'm aware, the number on the website says it is, you know, listen only. You're not going to be able to call in and talk with this number, but just to listen, and it's area code 724-444-7444, and that is listed on our, our websites. So, you know, I don't know if it's on the mobile one, but if you click old main page, you can find it there, I know, on our, our regular website that's not the mobile-friendly one. And you'll need to enter the entry code, which is 129117-POUND. So the entry code to enter to hear the phone bridge to listen to AVR over your phone, listen only, you cannot be heard on the air with this number. It, the entry code is 129117-POUND sign. So press the pound sign at the end there. And there's another entry code too. So maybe if the first one doesn't work, try the second one. And that would be 130294-POUND sign again. So 724-444-7444 is the phone bridge number. Entry code 129117 pound sign or try this entry code if that one doesn't work. 130294 pound sign. Okay? And you can always go to the audio archives and get, you know, all the latest shows, my latest show, etc. And if my latest show is not up there, I try to always say the date. So if after my show airs, you know, it's not going to be there immediately or anything, but by like the next day or something if it's still not there my latest show you can always uh, email Frank or come to the chat room and, and let him know maybe something went wrong or maybe he's been busy and he hasn't had a chance to upload it yet so there's the archives you can go to to get my entire two hour show that way if you do have access to the internet etc so those are some other ways you can hear my entire show and other shows you might miss, you know, in entirety. You can look on our schedule page to see what times 
the repeat times are or go to the audio archives and, and download the show and listen that way. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you're hearing live shows during the day, maybe, or even in the evenings, it's a live show, those shows usually are going to repeat during the night. So um, once 11 o'clock p.m. Pacific time comes, the shows that were on live during that day are going to start repeating from 11 p.m. to throughout the night. So you might, you know, if depending on where you're at in the country or the world, you might be able to listen in and hear some of our shows that aired that day or, you know, before midnight. And then they're going to air again after midnight, maybe, or at 11 p.m. Pacific time. They'll start airing after our documentaries and things like that end. Okay, so I hope that helped everybody out there listening. And thank you for letting us know, you know, thank you for letting me know, etc. I wasn't even aware that just my first hour aired, but Frank was aware of it. But it's good to let us know these things because sometimes... Maybe there's a problem and, you know, a technical issue or something and the show doesn't go out. We need to know these things, so let us know. And I'm glad you enjoy the show and thank you for your feedback on that. And I hope it helps as many people and, and animals as possible. That's what I try to do with my show. So, okay, now we're going to get back into this book about MSM, organic sulfur. It's called The MSM Miracle, Enhance Your Health with Organic Sulfur by Earl L. Mandel, registered pharmacist, and he has a Ph.D. And he writes a lot of health, you know, information and books and booklets and things like that. So we're talking now about, oh, and I told you the foam um, for the insulation that's used for the insulation to be aware that that causes cancer. It can make people, you know, have health problems and be extremely sick and um, so can mold, mildew, black mold, so can the carpet um, and all the chemicals and petrochemicals used to make carpet or upholstery, things like that, you know, that are in new houses and old houses when you put in new carpet or, you know, when you get some furniture or something like that. And even the stain master treatment, that's a that's derived from fluoride. That's really bad for you, your your pets, your children, your babies, you to walk on barefoot, etc. You know, in the carpet, the Stainmaster carpet. And then there's the Scotch Guard brand of treatment to keep stains off of upholstered furniture and things like that. And I've told you this many times, but in case you forgot or you've never heard me talk about it, you know. Um, for one thing, fluoride causes cancer, so there's that issue. But for another thing, you know, it's just very bad for our health, and you don't want to be lying down on a couch that has been treated with this fluoride, you know, this terrible thing that, you know, it comes from the aluminum and fertilizer industries, and it's like the toxic waste, you know, um, from the scrubbers and things like that and they dump it in our toothpaste and our water it's in tea fluoride is in tea leaves I know and it's in so many things so many bottled beverages contain fluoride where you're not even aware you know it's not going to tell you on the label that it contains fluoride just depends on what kind of water was used and whether there was fluoride in it 
you know, um, and, and fluoride is ex extremely acidic. So let's just say you're drinking some kind of soda and it has fluoride in it and you're not even aware of that because maybe the bottling plant, wherever it's located, they use fluoride, you know, the water coming from the city tap or whatever uses, you know, has fluoride in it. So then they're going to put that in the, the soda. Now soda is going to be very bad for many other reasons, which I'll get into too, but it's very acidic, the fluoride is. And so when it's put into, say, plastic, which most sodas are nowadays in plastic, they used to be in bottles back in the day, I'm saying glass, meaning glass bottles, but now they're in plastic ones. So it's going to leach, the fluoride is going to leach those plastic chemicals, those petrochemicals into that soda. And also the fluoride is very acidic and the same thing is caused from the fluoride in it. Uh, and then there's the high fructose corn syrup, which is very bad, has been found to contain mercury many times, including Coca-Cola has been found to contain mercury due to the, the way the they, uh, you know, certain kinds of high fructose uh, corn syrup contains mercury, so it very well could, including Coca-Cola, Kraft barbecue sauce, and Hershey's chocolate syrup, they've all been found to contain mercury when tested for mercury. So you can look it up if you don't believe me. Just type in mercury high fructose corn syrup, and you will see all the information about it and I've been telling you that since it came out in 2006. Now another thing in sodas that's really bad is the caramel coloring that is a cancer causing agent so is the um, fluoride if that's in there is another cancer causing agent um, so they cause cancer then there's a high fructose corn syrup with mercury which causes all kinds of health problems um, you know, and the FDA, I guess it is, they, they'll tell pregnant women, you know, to only eat seafood, you know, sparingly or once a week or something and blah, blah, blah. But they don't ever tell you about the mercury in the high fructose corn syrup. And high fructose corn syrup, I believe it's like a bioweapon. It's genetically modified. And, you know, they're putting it, they're putting it in so many different products that we ingest, that we use you know, from beverages to food products, etc. And they're doing it to fatten us up because it does. Um, and there's no telling all the health problems that the high fructose corn syrup causes. But so anyway, you know, they put it in everything from breads to to salad dressings to cookies and cakes and all kinds of processed foods and beverages and things like that. So you know, be aware that that causes a lot of health problems and it can cause diabetes and all that stuff. Um, so that's just a few of the things in sodas that are bad. Then there's other things. There's brominated vegetable oil that can be found in certain sodas, um, also known as pop, some people call it. But um, I know like orange sodas and red sodas a lot of the time will contain brominated vegetable oil. That's something that's very bad for you too. You can look it up. Um, and some of those companies, the corporations have stopped using brominated vegetable oil because people have become aware of how bad it is for you and dangerous, you know, for your body, etc. and your health. So they have started using other things like 
I think like um, I can't remember the substitute they're putting in it, but that's something bad too. I think it's some kind of uh, wood ester or something like that. I've read so uh, sodas are just really bad, um, you know. And then even some sodas they're putting just like they do in gum, um, like chewing gum and bubble gum and things like that. They're putting and they have been for years. They're putting um, artificial sweeteners in them, like aspartame or Splenda. And even if it's not a sugar-free gum, they're adding aspartame or Splenda, etc. these artificial sweeteners that are very bad for your health. They're adding those to the gum, and they have been for years. So I would not, you know, personally chew gum and things like that. Because of that fact alone, it's very hard to even find any that doesn't contain it, especially chewing gum. If you look at the store on the ingredients of the chewing gums, you'll see a lot of times um, aspartame, for instance, will be listed. And uh, getting back to sodas, um, I've told you this many times, but in case you didn't hear it or you forgot, Shasta sodas, I know for a fact, unless they have changed them, for years have been putting Splenda in their regular Shasta sodas, not the sugarless ones with the, you know, sugar substitutes or whatever, but the kind that just any person would drink that has the high fructose corn syrup. They're also putting Splenda in there, which is kind of hidden because the ingredients list is not going to tell you on the front of the label. It's only going to tell you on the ingredients list, and it's going to say, instead of Splenda, it's going to say Sucralose, S-U-C-R-A-L-O-S-E, Sucralose. So if you see Sucralose on any ingredient label, um, it means Splenda. It's, it's like they're deceiving people. They're not putting Splenda, but they're putting the word Sucralose, and they do the same thing to hide when they put monosodium glutamate in foods, MSG. They hide it. They have a lot of different words they use to obfuscate the fact that it's MSG, which causes Alzheimer's. So be aware of that, too. And you can go and just look up the different names for MSG or monosodium glutamate, the different names for Splenda, etc. And then write those down, carry them with you to the store, you know, or whatever. And then you can look on the labels and read the ingredients list and see if these things are in there because it's it's a way to, you know, they're trying to trick you, they're trying to deceive you, they're trying to hide all the bad things that are in these products and that way you're armed with the information ahead of time and you can tr try to memorize those words and look on the labels, not on the front label, but on the ingredients list. Um, because a lot of times they're not even going to tell you on the front as a label. For instance, like on the Shasta colas and sodas that contain the high fructose corn syrup, that it also is containing Splenda, and it's going to say sucralose. So they're obviously trying to hide the fact that it has Splenda. And I believe, you know, these things are bioweapons, and you can even look up aspartame, type in aspartame, um, and then you can type in feces, F-E-C-E-S, feces, and you can type in the word patent, P-A-T-E-N-T, 
and according to what I have read, aspartame, the patent itself talks about how it is made from, it's genetically modified E. coli bad bacteria. We all know that E. coli is very bad bacteria and you know it can thicken you or kill you etc. So they take that genetically modified and it's cloned by the way um, and they take the, the feces from it and, and they make aspartame okay if that is not a bioweapon I don't know what is so be well aware of that and I would get rid of and stop using personally if it were me which I don't use them to begin with any kind of artificial sweeteners um, and according to Dr. Jennifer Daniels who has a radio show elsewhere she's been on this network several times as a guest and I do think she has good information um, she says to as far as stevia goes that the only good kind to use for that would be you know right from the plant like the kind that's just the green leaf stevia you know even if you buy it already kind of processed stay away from the liquid stevias she says those are very bad for you and they're they're acting like they're not you know they're trying to tell you they're good for your health and if you're aware of the all the scandal involving aspartame and Splenda and these artificial sweeteners and other ones. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.